Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Monday morning to each and every one of you. We certainly hope and pray all had a happy Thanksgiving Day weekend. Gentlemen, first of all, before we get to anything else in the world of sports, some things that make us happy, a number of things that maybe don't make us happy, did everybody around the room, let's spray the infield. Casey, good Thanksgiving? Yes, Tom. It was a great Thanksgiving. You had a couple of them. Yeah, well, I had, uh, I think, three in total. Three? Yeah. So three, three times you ate turkey and stuffing and... Yep, did the wow. whole shebang. Wow. Yeah. Trace? It was a... It was a Pretty pretty solid week. Um, I used to be like Casey and have to go to a bunch of Thanksgivings, and thankfully my wife ended up just saying, "You know what? We're tired of just running everywhere. We're going to do our own Thanksgiving." So we kind of we got an excuse, but you have to clean the house up after, which I don't do a whole lot of, so it's all good for me, anyways. Okay. So you don't cook, you don't clean, you just kind of lay around. Uh, laying around this year, I try to be a little more, you know, attentive to uh, to the, the garbage and things like that. More present. Yeah, more present. That's the right word, That's Tom. That's a key word in this generation. More present. More present. Yes. I'm glad you did. Uh, Elliot. My Thanksgiving was great, Tom. I had, I had a very fun Thanksgiving. It was a, it was a fun time. Nothing much else. I, I, I was great. Okay. And, Reed, you were down in those sunny climbs. Yes, I went to Florida with my family. We've done that a couple of times over the past uh, four years now, and uh, it was fantastic. We didn't have the traditional Thanksgiving. We had uh, we had mahi and scallops for Thanksgiving. Wow! It was, it was fantastic. It was a nice little nice little meal. Well, very very nice. We hope each and every one of you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman, along with a cast of thousands. We come your way Monday through Friday, ten a. to twelve. P. That's Eastern time. You can find us on YouTube. That's a Chatterbox Sports page. We are broadcasting live, I believe, once again on Twitter. Are we not? Yes, that's correct. At Seabox Sports. All right. We're there. And if you want to join us in podcast form, just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Now, look, we hoped for the best, yet expected the worst. Because oftentimes that's what we do in Cincinnati. Because when it comes to our local teams, we've had our fair share of tough times. But what we saw yesterday from your Cincinnati Bengals This wasn't Jake Browning's fault. He wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible in his first NFL start. 16-10, final, a loss to the Steelers. It certainly can't be blamed on Joe Mixon. Who can blame Joe Mixon? The head coach felt like he had to defend Mixon after the game. Who is it that's out there in this world that said it was Joe Mixon's fault for him to have to even defend the guy? The Bengals asked Mixon to touch the ball all of eight whopping times in the run game. You can't gain yards if you can't block the other guys. And when it comes to blocking the other guys, the Bengals are dead last in the NFL at 75 rushing yards per game. This from an offensive line that as a unit is the sixth highest paid line in the National Football League. Then there's a defense. The Steelers had gone 58 games. Now, can you you try to think about that for a second? This is 2020 we're talking about. The Steelers had gone 58 consecutive games without reaching 400 yards of offense. 58! It's the second longest such streak in the history of the league. Well, they boat raced 400 yesterday. 
And that's all of five days after firing their offensive coordinator. Yet, in fairness, the defense only allowed 16 points from a rotten Steelers offense. 16, you got to win, right? Now, wouldn't you think, okay, that Zach Taylor and his offensive coaches, because that's what they're supposed to excel at, we're told, offense. Don't you think they could come up with something similar, at least to maybe what the Steelers did yesterday? The Bengals had 10 first downs. 10! They had 25 rushing yards in the game. Are you kidding? They had 10 days to give Jake Browning a chance. He had no chance. No chance is how you also describe now their chances of getting in the postseason. And you end up 0-4 in the division, 1-6 in the conference. Thank God for the NFC West. There are serious issues with this team looking forward. Many of them were covered up during that four-game winning streak. We will talk about all of this today. Former NFL coach Kyle Kasky will join us at 1040. We'll break it all down on some film. So all that and more coming up soon. Next up for the Bengalis, a trip to Jacksonville. Now that sounds pretty good maybe for the weather. The Jags won a big game yesterday over Houston, 24-21. They're 8-3 and three on the year atop the AFC South. Elsewhere in the North, division leader Baltimore, they just keep on rolling. 20-10 over the uh, Chargers out in L.A., the Ravens ran it 35 times for 200 yards. They're now 9-3. and three. The Brownies ran into the hottest team maybe at all of football, Denver. Remember them? They were 1-5. The Broncos forced three turnovers in a 29-12 win. And just as a footnote, you may have seen this, you may have missed it. It's the first time in the history of pro football that a game ended in a 29-12 score. This is a sport that dates back to 1920. Never happened before. Cleveland was ravaged with injuries in this game. Key injuries. Miles Garrett had a sling on. Injured shoulder as an MRI today. Quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson took one of the most vicious hits a quarterback will ever take. Knocked out of the game with a head injury. And their star receiver, Amari Cooper, he couldn't finish the game with a rib injury. Now, the best game of the day was in Philly. Rain, sleet, cold, nasty. The Eagles rally from a 10-point fourth-quarter deficit to beat Buffalo 37-34. Jalen Hurts throws for three, runs one in to win the game in OT. Philly 9-1 on the year. These just guys, they know how to win. And, and, and you know what? Honestly, Buffalo doesn't. They don't. They drop balls. You know, everybody gets on Allen, including me. I mean, yesterday, digs a huge drop. They have a drop in the end zone. They, they just can't win. They can't win. They're, they're going nowhere either. Somebody would have told you the Bills and the Bengals wouldn't make the playoffs this year. What would the odds be on that, Zebra? Yeah, I, those, those would be tremendous odds. Uh, throw in the Chargers, too, and we'll just have a little party. I, I don't know. It's they, A lot of collapses. A lot of collapses in the AFC. Speaking of collapses, we go to college football. Collapse. Casey McAllister was thinking of me when he went to the grocery store yesterday. I'm hoping that you're telling me these aren't like uh, gummy gummies. No, they're not gummy These are gummies. legal gummies. These are legal gummies, okay. yeah. Okay. But the other gummies well, are also legal. legal. Yeah, they're legal well, in, not yet. in December. Not yet. Is that December? Pretty are sure. Are you kidding me? They have that up and running in like a few days? I think so. Well, then why didn't you wait? 
and bring those in. <laughs> anyway, Ohio State sour gummies. Give it up to Michigan. I'm going to give it up, and you know it hurts me to say it. Here they are staring down the ba- barrel at some major league sanctions from the NCAA, and they are coming. You can take it to the bank. But on the field, they show up. They get it done. They beat rival Ohio State for the third straight year, 30-24. to 24. Now, Ryan Day taking all kinds of heat in Columbus right now. I mean, after all, his two predecessors, Jim Tressel and Urban Meyer, lost to Michigan one time over an 18-year run. So what's next for the Buckeyes? Now, in the coaches' poll, they slipped to number six yesterday behind Oregon. And Oregon's best win this year is against Oregon State. Now, the eye test tells you they look great. But those are the facts. How is Ohio State behind Oregon? The Ducks will play unbeaten Washington, their only loss of the year, in the final, final ever Pac-12 title game. That's this Friday night. The Buckeyes do need some help to get in the playoff, but it's not a ton of help. They've got a chance. Remember, it happened last year. Alabama had the most unbelievable win, maybe one of the most unbelievable and improbable wins in the history of the sport. And I don't think that's a stretch. Fourth and goal from the 31-yard line. Fourth and goal from the 31. 32 seconds left. And somehow, someway, Auburn allows an Alabama receiver to get in the quarter of the end zone and catch a pass to win the game. 27-24. The Tide takes on number one Georgia in the SEC championship game. That is Saturday. Alabama's only loss was to Texas, who will play Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game. And Florida State, I tell you what, give it up. Didn't miss a beat. After losing their starting quarterback, Jordan Travis, last weekend, they stay unbeaten 24-15 over Florida. What has happened to Florida? I mean, that team stinks. They absolutely stink. It's unbelievable how bad they are. So four teams are unbeaten going into this final championship weekend. Three others with one loss with legitimate hopes of being in the playoff. Two teams fired their head coaches yesterday. Tom Allen at Indiana. They're going to give him a check for $7.75 million before the end of this year. They'll give him a check for $7.75 million next year just to go away. And then Dana Holgerson, former West Virginia coach, is out after five years at Houston. Then there's FC Cincinnati. That's right, Tom. All right, give us a full report on your first experience. Um, Elliot, you got free tickets. That's right. Right, from one of our viewers, regular yep. viewers. Shout out Swaggy Plague. He was there with us. He, he bought us the tickets. He, sent, he reached out. He said, you know what, Elliot, if you're serious about going to a game, I'll, I'll, I'll get the tickets for you. So I, he, gave, he gave me tickets. I'm like, okay, I'm definitely going to go. I brought Casey. I needed an FC expert to go with me. I had never been to this stadium before in my life. I'd never been with, within five miles of this place. I got lost on the way down there, showed up a little bit late. Good what news do you mean is, lost? I got lost. I didn't know where I was going. How was hard can it be? Five miles from there. What are you talking about? I've never, I've never been. I've never been anywhere close to there. The, the stadium, like, Paycor is like a mile away from there. All right. Well, then less. I, either way, I've never driven by it. I don't like to drive downtown a ton. I got Maring Way when I go to Reds and Bengals games. I don't have my Maring Way when I go to this stadium. So I got lost going in. So I got there right around kickoff, what I supposed to kick off, but they started like 15 minutes late for a pregame show. They did a little light show with your phones. Uh, it was cool. It was a really cool stadium. It was a cool atmosphere. Uh, the game itself was fun. 
I thought. I thought it goes by quick. It's not like, you know, I people like to complain about baseball. I don't think baseball is boring. People do. I didn't think it was boring at all. I, I thought FC Cincinnati got their ass kicked in the second half. And then a miracle goal, which I, apparently there was a, a bunch of controversy where everybody was saying that should have been offsides. But it didn't look offsides from where we were. And if you look at the video, none of the Philadelphia Union players – uh, were complaining about it at all, so I don't know what the controversy really was at all. But anyway, they were complaining about it. It was a great win. It was a great time. I had a fun time. Would I go back? Sure. They were singing a lot of songs. The, you'd go uh, back and pay to go back, or you'd go back freebie again? Oh, yeah. That's a big. That's a, a big freebie, question here. A freebie, probably. Freebie, okay. All right. Maybe a, maybe an early regular season game we can get a little cheaper ticket. But I uh, listen. Yeah, I I thought it was a fun time. Ten out of ten. I gave it a ten out of ten. Did you sing? I didn't say, well, I sang at the end. I sang Mr. Brightside at the end. Uh, I didn't know the words of the other stuff. Oh, okay. We were right by the Bailey. So it was, oh, so it was right there. Yeah, we were right there. And uh, it, was, it was a good time. It was a really fun time. Swaggy, thank you for the tickets. For sure. Um, make sure to email us about the stuff that we talked about um, at the end of the game. We'll get you some, uh, get you some merch. So. Well, it was a big-time win, so now they're off to the Eastern Conference Final, and guess who they're playing? Casey. Columbus Crew. Columbus Crew. Hell is real, part three. That is a big-time game. That Very place, big. if you thought it was rocking the other night, nothing compared to this weekend. Right? Right. Okay. That game is at Saturday night, 6 o'clock, TQL Stadium. If you're wondering, and I'm sure thousands of you are, LAFC will play Houston in the Western Conference Final. Come on, Come on, Hey, hey, I, I, I waited as long as I could. <laughs> in college basketball, Xavier hosts something called Oakland tonight. I don't know if that's California, Michigan. <laughs> Michigan. Michigan, okay. I the Bearcats play at Howard tonight, uh, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. The Cats are 5-0. and oh. And apparently it's a matter of moments. The St. Louis Cardinals, they said, this is baseball now, that they were going to go out and be big spenders for pitchers, right? They already brought back Lance Lynn on a one-year deal, and it appears as though they're going to now sign Sonny Gray, the one-time Red. Did the Reds do anything this weekend? Have they done any big moves? I, I was kind of out yes, of they did. and didn't they check. I watched a lot of football. Yes, they did, What Tom. did they, they do? They re-signed Alex Blandino. You might know him as a, a utility infielder, or he also played in the outfield when we needed a body, and he came in to pitch a couple times. He threw a couple knuckleballs, Tom, Alex Blandino. They also re-signed Reaver San Martin. Again, he had a Tommy John. Uh, he just had Tommy John surgery this past offseason, so he will be uh, – gone for this whole year this whole next year but i'm sure in a couple years he'll be good great sign. good signing so okay. a couple couple big names there so san martin they'll pick up for the stretch run yeah that's right that's right hey, listen tom they already got pj higgins i don't know what else they need pj higgins was another big one all right boys let's get right to it i mean look it's what everybody's talking about and kick look before we get into your guys's thoughts when i saw the headline uh, on a website that Zach Taylor defends Joe Mixon. Okay? I watched the entire game. Who out there was being critical of Joe Mixon? Because, look, you might not like Mixon at all. You might not like him as a player. You might not like him as a guy. You might not think he's, you know, 
worth what they're paying. And you can think anything you want about the guy. But one thing you can never, ever, ever question about Joe Mixon, at least from the games that I watch, and I watch them all just like you do, you can never question this guy's effort. He gives you everything he's got every single play. He is one of the most passionate, competitive players that they have on this roster. Every single play. He's cheering for his teammates when he's on the sideline. He's the first guy to high-five guys on defense when they make a play. This guy cares. Now, you may not like him, and that's fine, but he cares. Could somebody tell me if there – who was – was there anybody out there beating down Joe Mixon after the game that warranted the head coach having to defend him in a post-game press conference? Anybody? I, listen, I didn't see anybody – talking about Joe Mixon's play being the reason that the Bengals lost. And if they did, they should get a CAT scan because I don't know how that tracks whatsoever. <laughs> but <laughs> Joe's been fine. I, right. I don't, I, Casey, did you see anybody talking about Joe? I, I did not. Um, I think I know where the, the conversation's going to go with this because I, I felt like that was kind of out of nowhere, out of thin air. Maybe he's just trying to divert some of the actual blame of what's been going on on Twitter and social media by making up this crazy scenario that Joe Mixon's the problem. Yeah, it's not Joe Mixon, buddy. It's you. You, Zach. You are the problem. Are you claiming Zach Taylor's gaslighting the media and the Bengals I think fans? he is. I think he is. Am I, am I off base, I, I gotta Tom? tell you, I got to tell you, because I didn't know where all of this started. Now, uh, somebody in the chat, um, Goodberry? Joe Goodberry. Joe Goodberry. Uh, they, they, they said that he's been critical. Okay. I mean, he knows the team. He knows, you know, football. That's fine. I mean, eight carries for 16 yards. You want to beat a guy down for that? That's fine. But I got to tell you, I mean, I'm just sitting there going, who is it out there that thinks that Joe Mixon lost this game for the Bengals? And to see that the, that the coach is, is defending him. All right. Maybe that's part of our entire dialogue today. Your overall thoughts, and Reed, we'll begin with you. And by the way, before we go any further, before we go any further, I want to thank these four guys and thank some of you who showed up, but especially these four guys yesterday for busting their tail. I mean, here it is, Sunday, holiday weekend. You got friends and family you want to spend time with. We went down before the game yesterday, the Bengals game right there, thanks to our friends at Betfred Sports, our partner Betfred Sports. And we had the stage set up, big screen set up. It was raining. It was chilly. And these guys were there early in the morning getting everything set up and breaking it down. So, gentlemen, awesome job. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. All right, now thoughts on the game. Let's go. Uh, thoughts on the game. Listen, Tom, in that in that pregame show and really last week, we, we talked about can the Bengals win a muddy game? Can they scheme up a muddy game? I didn't see dirt. I didn't see anything out there. Even semblancing a muddy game. They dropped Jake Browning back in his debut as a starter damn near 30 times and only hand the ball off to their Pro Bowl running back eight times. I don't know how... That is a recipe for success ever, let alone for a guy that's been wandering around the NFL for five years and he's finally getting his first start. And, and look, I, I had, after Jake Browning's performance on Thursday Night Football, I had a little bit more hope for him. I thought that there was some, some athleticism there and maybe he could run a little bit. He didn't even run the ball. 
I think he had three runs for, for nine yards. So I don't understand how going into that game, a, a National Football League head coach, a National Football League offensive coordinator, guys that have had a lot of success in this league over the past few years, decided that the proper game plan was to drop back a guy who has, once again, making his National Football League starting debut, drop him back 30 times and don't commit to the run at all. It was, Tom, it was honestly like Zach Taylor was sticking his middle finger to the fans. Because all season long, with Joe Burrow back there, fans, media members have said, this team has to find its running identity. What is this team's running identity? And they don't even... They don't even come close to showing anything like that. It was it was truly like he was he was saying F you to the fans, said, hey, I know more than you guys know, and he does, right? I'm not going to claim to know more than Zach Taylor or Brian Callahan or anything. But I know that in that situation against a team where you're going to be into the thick of it because that's how the Steelers play, right? It's a low-scoring game more often than not. I don't know how you don't commit yourself to running the ball, giving it to the experienced guy that has been a multiple-time pro bowler, that has rushed for thousands of yards in this in the league, and instead you're going to put it all on Jake Browning, who's running for his life against a good pass rush. I, 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 it, it was, this was an opportunity for Zach Taylor, as much as it was for Jake Browning, yep. to really cement kind of kind of a showing, right? Kind of cement. I don't legacy is not the right word, but but cement that he is he can win this game that he can scheme a win, and he failed miserably on the first game of the rest of this season. You know, before – look, spot on. Spot on. I'm going to get everybody else's thoughts on this game too. You know, it's not only mixing the eight carries, okay? There are a couple other things here. You had 10 days now to try and change this whole thing. It's not like you played mm-hmm. on a Monday night and you're playing on a Sunday. You had played on the prior Thursday – you knew this wasn't a wait-and-see kind of thing on Burrow. He's out for the year, and you knew it the day after the season or the day after last Friday. Right, right. You knew that going in. So that's one. Two, they give it to Mixon eight times. They've got Travion Williams, and they have Chase Brown, who is back healthy. He was asked after the game, are you healthy? He said, I wouldn't have played if I wasn't 100%. They don't touch the ball in the run game. And having all your, you've gone more than half a season without finding out if anybody else on your roster can play running back besides Joe Mixon. Elliot, your thoughts on yesterday? Yeah, I, yesterday, unfortunately, was as big of a disaster as you could possibly imagine. I think if you look at the Bengals, you, you lose Joe Burrow and you're like, okay, you know what? The, the season's kind of a wash. We lost our, we lost our guy. But I can live with it because if we don't have Joe Burrow, what are we, right? Well, we found out yesterday what we are without Joe Burrow, and that is nothing. We are garbage. Trash. I watched that game in its entirety. It was disgusting all the way through. Jake Browning, and again, I, I was like was Reed. I actually, I actually had hope for Jake Browning in the game. I, I thought he was a serviceable, back, a, ser- a serviceable quarterback given the circumstances. Was he wasn't good. He was okay. I would say a lot of his yard. I mean, he should have had two interceptions. One yeah. of them probably should have gone for six, but they were tipped up. Like we say in this room, you got to be lucky as as much as you got to be good. Saying all that, the defense is horrible. I mean, the defense was carved up for 150 yards on the ground. They made Kenny Pickett look like Brett Favre. It, it, it's it's a disaster. What's happening here? 
And I blame it all on Zach Taylor. I blame it all on the coaching staff because there's just no way in hell that you can – again, and we say I say the defense played like trash. They only allowed 16 points, to, yep. to be fair. If you can't score 17 in an NFL, NFL football game with Jake Browning and Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, we got issues, and we have issues. I said on this show a couple weeks ago, Zach Taylor, uh, should he be on the hot seat if the Bengals miss the postseason? If, he, if they don't win a game here, down the stretch, if they don't win a single game with Jake Browning under center in this roster, he should be on the hot seat. He should be on the hot seat. We've, we've, we've challenged his play calling year after year. Every once in a while, he shows flashes of, of running a, a good scheme, some good plays, a good drive every now and then. But a large majority of Zach Taylor's offense has been bad. Zach, Joe Burrow masks every single problem that we have. And that's why you pay him $275 million, because without Joe Burrow, this team's a bottom five team in the NFL. That's how bad this team is right now. So we'll see. We'll see where we go. We'll see if Zach Taylor can draw something up here in the last six games. Because if we lose out, it, it's, it's time to go. Or at least get, get, he has to give up the play calling. But I don't know, I don't know how you do that. I, hey, Zach, give up your play calling. You can stay head coach. You just have to give up what you want to do. It, so I don't know how that conversation works with Zach Taylor. And, and to, to your point about if they lose out, we got to have a serious conversation. You could say, oh, but the Bengals are playing with a backup quarterback. Five of the, the, the seven-game stretch were against, are going to be backup quarterbacks. Yep. And I'm including Kenny Pickett as a yeah, backup quarterback because right. he, he pretty much is. Because you're going to see Josh Dobbs. You're going to see um, P DTR or P.J. Walker out there. You're going to see Gardner Minshew. Yep. The only two legit quarterbacks you play are Trevor Lawrence and Patrick Mahomes. So five of those last seven games of Jake Browning are going to be against bad quarterbacks. You should be able to win at least one. Trace? Your thoughts on this uh, it's tough. Bengal this performance is, yesterday? It's walking a tightrope right now because I think that you know you say one thing definitively and it almost makes you sound like you're you're completely trashing one side or the other, and I don't think that's the case. I think it's in the middle somewhere uh, between Zach Taylor being incompetent when it comes to trying to formulate a game plan that allows his team to have the better chance to win. Um, it is coincidental at times when you got a guy like Matt Canada on the other side that we've not talked about. He gets fired. Uh, and then it just so happens to magically the first game back, the Steelers, you know, go for over 400 yards for the first time in 60 games. So this whole notion sometimes that, you know, oh, the coaches always know more than the fans. And, you know, for the vast majority of the time, yes, that's true. I'm not here to suggest that the coaches don't know anything. But I do think coaches get stuck in their ways sometimes. I think coaches, wanna, they, they want to bite down like we do in here. You know, we'll have a take. You've been defending Irv Smith Jr. or whatever the hell that guy's name is because he's never on the broadcast <laughs> for weeks. Time. No, no, listen, One no, listen. Time. No, you will uh, like talk about 25-minute no, rant. <laughs> we do the same thing in here. We, we, we bite down on a take. We want to be right about it when inevitably at some point you know you're probably off base. You need, to, you need to adapt. And at some point you'd like to think that maybe Zach Taylor and the offensive system as a whole will realize, okay, maybe what we're doing here isn't giving us the best chance to win. Uh, there's some truth in that. There's some truth in the fact that, that Jake Browning obviously is not Joe Burrow. And there's also some truth, and again, this is the scariest of them all, that the Bengals roster is just not as good as many have claimed it to be. And Joe, Joe Burrow, maybe you could say he's the reason as to why it's masked a lot of that. I think some of the fact is, is that you lost two good safeties. You add in the fact that a lot of these guys get older. And the NFL is tough. You guys are really good one year, and then the next year they're not as good as they were. This isn't 
this isn't like the NBA superstars where they play for 12 years and they're and they're good every single year, or the, even Major League Baseball at times where you get four or five great seasons. The NFL is different. It's not for long, and all of those things combined add up to where the Bengals are at. And the scariest part is, is that when I and I know it sounds like you're you're being a troll when you say this, but it's truth. If you look at the NFL as a whole and you take away some of these quarterbacks from some of these teams that we all want to make fun of, and I'll use the Browns again as the example, you put Jake Browning on the Browns, guys, and they're going to probably make the playoffs and they can make some noise in the playoffs because they have an elite roster. They're missing a big key ingredient piece. You put Joe Burrow on the Browns and you could arguably say they they are the odds on favorite to win the Super Bowl. That's my main point in all of this is that – Ultimately, it's a combination of a lot of things, but Zach Taylor, he, he might get exposed, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because at some point, continuity, continuity matters, like Reed said, too. So I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a tough spot to be. My turn. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you didn't <laughs> say anything. What do you think? I'm looking at you just because you're handsome. I mean, come on. Let's go. Well, thank you, Tom. You are handsome. You look very uh, handsome today. Yeah, all, all these guys have said really great points today. Um, I, I'm just as disappointed in the Bengals and the, the game plan going into this game. It really just seems like Zach just, like Trey said, is stuck in his way, wants to throw all over the place. And they've forgotten their roots and what made this offense really great. It was that they could not just beat you throwing the ball, but that they could run on you. And I don't know if you guys remember the 2021 Super Bowl, that run that they had. I mean, Joe Mixon was one of the best running backs in the league that year. There was two games in particular, one against the Steelers, where he had over 30 yards or 30 carries and over 100-something yards. And they just, you know, Rode on his back. They didn't do that this time. Only eight carries, only eight tries. And yeah, people might say that's only two yards of carry of the 16 yards that he got. Well, he gets one screenplay and takes it for 40 yards. He is literally being, Joe Mixon is literally the best player I could argue on the Bengals roster on offense today. Today. Well, not better than Chase. But I could I could make the argument I could make the argument because he doesn't get enough opportunities to, that, to make that, a that, that's fair that's fair was Zach Taylor throwing the offensive line under the bus was that what he said it was was that his it, attempt it, do it, like when you come to the press conference you're like you know people are gonna think this is on you know Joe Mixon blah 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 well, which nobody uh, was by the way which I don't know where he comes up with that but, that's there's still, there's but my point Tom is like <laughs> whose fault is it it's and, and the Steelers are good too. Like, let's not yeah, see your Steelers. No, there's no doubt about it. We all know yeah, that. Good, but good. you can't come in the press conference and be like, "Well, it's the Steelers." Tom, they're in your division. Yeah. You, you got to find a way to beat them by by beating them. Like, are you worried when you go into a game? Do you think the Chiefs are ever worried about the other team's like best attribute, or you think they're yeah. just like, you know I mean, what, we're going to do what we do, and we're going to basically enforce our will on them? To to go off your point, I do believe that there is there's multiple parts of blame right they're, they're out of the whole pie right i think 50 percent of it goes to the coaching staff 
25% of it goes the offensive line. I can point to one play in particular that we're still having communication errors. Yeah, I know what you're that Jonah about. Williams and and Drew Sample miscommunication, giving up that sack for T.J. Watt to go straight in there and crush, crush them. I mean, what what are we doing? We're do you, more than halfway through the season. We're still giving up sacks like that. That's unacceptable. How does T.J. Watt ever go unblocked? Well, I heard I was listening in a National to Dave, Football League game. I, I was listening to Dave Lapham, former great offensive lineman, on the radio right. when that play happened. And he said, look, you know, he said, you're taught to block from the inside out because the inside has a shorter line to the quarterback. But this is T.J. Watt. I mean, this is one of the – he became a second player in the history of the NFL. The other one's named Reggie White to have over 90 sacks in his first 100 career games. This isn't some stiff – and he goes untouched to your quarterback. Your question about the line. Excellent question. Is he throwing him in front of the bus? Maybe he is. But why not just come out and say it? Why not just come out and say it? Because we're too worried about our culture. Oh, God, don't hurt anybody's feelings. Oh, my God. Oh, call somebody out. Seriously. If that's what you're doing, and I don't know if that's what he's doing. Trace just asked the question. I'm just reacting to the question. If he's throwing him in front of the bus, kick him right in front of that bad boy. Pow! At least somebody would hit something at that point. <laughs> yeah, at right? Least, at least light a fire under their ass. Maybe that'll get him in gear. That's what I'm saying. You've been watching this tired act for now 11 weeks. They are the worst rushing team in the National Football League. You want to say they played the Steelers? I'll give you that. Steelers are a great defensive team. You want to say they played the Browns? I'll give you that. That was the first game of the year. But what about all the other games? Why are they throwing the ball 50 times against the Rams? Perhaps they know something the rest of us, it's taken us a while to figure it out. 11 games, and you average 75 rushing yards per game. You go into a game against an outstanding defense. And look, you know, Joey Galloway, former phenomenal receiver at Ohio State in the NFL. I mean, this dude, mm -hmm. if you're not an off-timer, he was unbelievable how great he was. Fastest guy on the planet, great hands, competitive, tough, all those things. Injury short-circuited his career in the pros. But he was good in the pros. He came out on Twitter last night. And you know what? He made me kind of say, huh. Because I'm as guilty as anybody in looking for somebody to blame. Now, he was referencing Ohio State, his alma mater. And he said, you know, why do we always look for one person? And it's been primarily Ryan Day or Kyle McCord in Ohio State's case, okay? People saying this, 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 and this, okay? Or Jim Knowles and their defense and whatever. He said, why can't you just say two of the top five teams in the country played, and on that particular day, this team was better than that team? That is more than a fair question mm -hmm. or a fair point. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to this Bengal thing, eh, I, I, I can't buy into that. Because I, we talked about it yesterday when we were down on the banks. We wondered. It was the most talked about topic we had up there. What was this offense in a coaching staff that is primarily led 
by offensive-minded coaches. Zach Taylor, former offensive coordinator. Brian Callahan, offensive background. The quarterback's close. Pitcher, right? Those are the guys that are supposed to be these masterminds on offense. And yesterday, after 10 days, that's what we get. <laughs> Tom, it, it doesn't make any sense. That's why I literally, like, the only... And it's not its not what Zach Taylor was thinking. But the only thing that my brain can wrap its mind around is the fact that Zach Taylor listened to everyone talk about how, hey, they need to run the ball more. They need to run the ball more. Hey, you got a backup quarterback. Let's get Joe Mixon involved. Let's muddy this game up. And he's just like, ah, F you guys. I know more than you guys. That's the only thing that my mind could comprehend. Greg Sandlin put this in our chat about 15 times. The Bengals played 41 plays yesterday. Yep. And they dropped Jake Browning back 33 of them. Yep. 33 of 41 plays. That's the game plan? And there's so much more to talk about, Tom, and we'll get into it more. And I think the much more troubling thing is what's going on on the defensive side. But 41 offensive plays, and you drop Jake Browning back 33 times? I mean, you can open up a football coaching for dummies book, and that's going to be nowhere in that. That's not a recipe to win a game. That's not a recipe to win a game with a guy making his first ever start. Ryan Finley, his first career start under Zach Taylor. You know how many times they ran the ball with Joe Mixon? 30. Joe Burrow's debut back in 2020. You know how many times they ran the ball with Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard? 21 times. And still here with Jake Browning, who's floated around the league for five years now. He's making his first start. And we're only going to hand the ball off eight times against a, a team that honestly has struggled against the run from time to time in the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's the game plan? It doesn't make any damn sense, Tom. The last three weeks, too, Tom, the last three weeks that the teams that have played the Steelers, the rushing attempts have gone 25, 24, 30 times. So for three weeks in a row, playing the Steelers, other teams have ran the ball 24-plus times. They got to run bad, bad run defense. And outside of you got to charge three rush attempts to Browning when he's running for his life, mm -hmm. they run it eight times. And the only guy to touch it in the eight times was Mixon. And, and look, I, you know, I, listen – I get if people want to say they don't like Mixon for whatever reason, off the field, all those things. Okay, I'm not going to sit here and defend the guy, but I am going to defend him in terms of playing with fire. He cares. He's a passionate player. He gives you everything he's got, and he has proven already this year he's not done. He may not be great, and I don't really know, to be honest with you, how many great running backs there are in the league, right? I don't know. Right? But I know one thing. Mixon's laying it all on the line. You've asked him to play more downs than virtually every running back in the league this year. He's out there. He's been better in pass protection this year. They might have gotten on his ass the last few years, but he's gotten a little bit better this year. The point is, he's out there and wanting to play and wanting to compete every single game. And, and, and somehow a reporter or the coach is going to try and defend Mixon? Like he's the reason they lost the game? You got to be kidding me. All right. Uh, let's get to the film side of things and welcome in our good buddy, our good, good buddy, Kyle Kasky, coach in the NFL for many, many years, major college football as well. And we're proud to have him right here on uh, Chatterbox Sports with Chatterbox Clicker that comes your way each and every week. And you ought to check it out because it's great stuff. Uh, Kyle, good morning. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Let's start with a positive. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. <laughs> I did. I got to go travel around Texas and see my family. Uh, went really fast, but uh, it was a good time, man. I got to see some uh, 
people I haven't seen in a while. And uh, I saw my nephew that I haven't seen in probably 20 years, and he was about 50 pounds lighter. So it was, hey, there's a positive right there. There you go. All right. Well, welcome back home. Um, overall thoughts. Let's just start there before we get into some of the things you saw on film, and you'll have more of it tomorrow night. But um, your overall thoughts on what you watched yesterday, based on what we talked about last week, knowing you had basically 10 days to, to scheme a little different or scheme dramatically different if you wanted to do that, which they didn't do. Uh, what were your overall thoughts on the game? I just think that they're sticking with the same game plan they've always had. There's nothing There's nothing that changed when it came to putting a new quarterback in. Now, I will tell you this. I, I read that, that Football for Dummies book that Reed was talking about. And <laughs> in that book, in that book, it does new quarterback. It does help to run the ball out. He is correct on that. So we must have read the same book. <laughs> they just need to find a way to settle down the rush of Pittsburgh. If you watch the rush of Pittsburgh from any game, they're, they're too good. They're, I mean, you got too many guys up front, and they've been that way for years. And you, if, if you're not running the ball, they're going to pin their ears back, and they're going to just come at you. And that's what was happening in the game the other day or yesterday. And, uh, you know, Brown – Jake Browning is not a bad quarterback, but he's also a guy that's one of those guys that's going to have to – you've got to get in a groove. you got to get him in a rhythm. He's, it's, it's his first time to be in there. And if, if, you're a, if you're doing anything for the first time, it's going to take you a minute to get going, and the run game would have helped that out. Um, you know, and again, they could have – you know, they, they were trying to dink and dunk it to Chase, but uh, Chase was being taken away. They were saying, listen, we're going to stop the run. We're not going to let you throw to Chase. you got to beat us somewhere else. And there were some – chances to do that uh, just didn't get done and defensively I mean when you give up that many yards to a team that hasn't done that many yards since the beginning of 2000 uh, you know that's a long time ago I mean I was coaching in Detroit a lot's happened since then and they, they've just now gotten over uh, you know 400 yards for the first time so there, there's some things they need to address there as well you know I, I'm just curious before we get to some of the film you know some people have said and I think it's a legitimate question uh, coach of you know, look, if you haven't been able to run it all year long, which they're, they're, they're the worst rushing team in the NFL, they average 75 rushing yards per game over an 11-game stretch. Does it make sense when people ask the question, hey, wh why beat your head against a wall? You already know you can't run the ball. What would be your answer to that? There, there's, there's, yes, it's a legitimate question, but at the same time, running backs, any good running back or great running back will tell you, you, you have to run the ball to be to get good at running the ball. And it has to be in games. They they ran the ball eight times with Mixon. I promise you their inside run drill, if they if they have it, I'm assuming they do, probably had eight reps of runs and in inside run drill this week. So they had as many reps in one drill than they probably had in the entire game. And you gotta think of the rhythm the linemen need. I, I know you you've mentioned talking to uh to Lapham about some different things, you know, Anthony Munoz. Guys need to get into a rhythm. It's a, in the backs too. And again, it's those four-yard gains, those two-yard gains, those one-yard gains. And then all of a sudden, there's a 15, 20-yard gain. And it's because you start to beat them down a little bit. And the rush starts to kind of die off a little bit. They start to play the run a little bit more on defense. And you're not getting as much movement up front. And I'm talking about from the defense. You're not getting the zigging and the zagging and the slanting and the, and the stunting and all those things because they think you're passing the ball. And at times the runs are getting beat is when they're, you know, they're, they're just not picking up the slant or picking up a blitz or it's the movement that they're not getting. But the more you run it, the more you start pounding them, the more that they go vanilla and they want to just stop the run. And that's when you can really take off on them. 
I want to ask you one more question, and I keep telling you one more question. Uh, it's like my wife. I have one more question for you, Tom. Uh, if you've been around Frank Pollock, he was here, he left, he came back. Now, a lot of people in this town, and you know how this goes, you were a coach uh, for a long, long time, better than a decade in the National Football League, many years here with the Bengals. Uh, that's part of the job. I mean, you're the coach. And people are going to be asking, you know, what about this guy uh, who coaches that group? Um, Pollock came back here, been here now a couple of years since Zach Taylor came back. Well, you know, what do you say to people who wonder about Frank Pollock as the offensive line coach? Uh, what I would say is, is, is Frank Pollock is one of the, the best technicians in the, in, the, in the NFL when it comes to, you know, coaching your guys, coaching the offensive line and the techniques that they're using. Uh, he is one of the best at that. He is a tough, hard-nosed guy. If you've ever talked to Frank Pollock, Frank Pollock's a no-nonsense guy. If he ever, if he ever busts a joke with you, then you know it's one of those days you just better watch out for yourself because something ain't right. <laughs> but he's also one of those guys that he also understands that. If I heard y'all say the number, but you know, all but eight times in a game, your, your techniques sometimes are gonna kind of look bad at times because you're just going against T.J. Watt for 36 times in a, in a game when. You know, it could be a little less. And then, you know, the run game, he'll tell you the same thing. It's, it's a rhythm thing. And, and you got you to gotta keep doing it. You can't just run away from it and because you, you get busted for a two-yard run. And, you know, like Mixon's running up in there sometimes. And, I mean, they've got, you know, nine guys within 10 yards of the ball player playing like a quarter's look. And they've got like nine dudes. Other than, the, other than the two corners, there's all the rest of those guys on defense are within 10 yards of the box. And – you just don't have enough blockers for that sometimes. And that's where, you know, the, the runs and the play actions will open that up over time. But to sit, to sit here and say, I'm just not going to run it because they got all those guys in the box, you got to, at some point, you do have to beat your head against the wall every once in a while just to get it going. And then once you get it going, and then you get into the flow of all your play calling and how you should, how you should actually be running it. All right, let's, uh, let's go ahead and start with some plays you saw yesterday. We all knew this was going to be uh, Jake Browning's first start in the National Football League. So let's start very early in the game. I think we're looking at the third offensive play of the game, if I'm not mistaken, on a third down and yes. eight, correct? Correct, correct. Third, third offensive play of the game. So uh, right here, this is a – they're playing two-man on, on defense here for Pittsburgh. So they're, they're, they're kind of – you know, they're all mugged up in there. But they're really playing two-man. They're going to roll the guys, the, the safeties back and play cover two behind it. But it's all man coverage underneath. But when they're in that bunch and the way that they switch release that bunch, uh, Yoshivas got lost. And he's running a corner route. And he's wide open down here. And if you watch when – just kind of watch from this angle right here. You can see uh, Browning kind of hanging here. And then you'll see Yoshivas up there at the top. He runs that corner. He, he's got more than enough time to let that ball go before uh, T.J. Watt gets there. And I think that's one of those things when uh, when you watch uh, uh, Burrow, Burrow would have gotten that ball out, and I'm not sure he would have seen that because I think that was a it was a busted coverage with the the way they released and those guys lost their man. But again, that's one of those things I think Burrow sees. That's an alert. That that corner is what people call an alert. So if it, if it pops open, you chunk it. I mean, you take a shot, and their safety bit up on Chase because that's what they do. I mean, you're taking Chase away. You you're not gonna you you would rather. Yoshivas beat, beat you, then Chase beat you. So that's what they were doing. All right, let's go to another uh, play. The uh, lone touchdown the Bengals scored for the day. What happened on this, and what were you looking at on the touchdown pass to sample? So this is actually – it's a good design here. So we're, we're calling things – this is a good design. It's off a counter. So if you look, they're going to pull the guard, and they're going to, uh, you know, jab step, mixing over. 
and, and have them come over to the right. Um, Drew Sample hits the basically the outside rusher, and he's just he's just there to stop that outside rusher right there. Um, and then he's going to end up – see, so yeah, he hits him, and then the, uh, 84 is going to run the, the corner. He actually had the corner as well. If you can rewind that, uh, Casey, I think you – if you can get that back to the – right here. Uh, when, when he hits Highsmith and Highsmith keeps going, now he's hot. The quarterback is hot. So he threw it right there. And, again, I think it was a good – it was a well-designed uh, pass here because if you look, everybody kind of bites to the run, which is kind of – that doesn't happen very often, um, you know, with the Bengals and their play actions. But – that play action seemed to work. And again, it's, it's a simple, that is a simple pass for a new quarterback. That's something that you don't, that doesn't, there's not a whole lot of thinking about it. You make your fake, you look over there and you got one or two options. It's a high, low read. And, uh, you know, he read it out pretty well. And then obviously good play by the tight ends and, you know, it, uh, run over his own guy to get in, but yeah, you know, I mean, well, you got to do what you got to do. Thing. It's exactly yeah. do what you got to do. But, but, you know, we didn't see enough of those kind of plays yesterday where it was just easy. No. It was just easy. It was a rollout. It was move protection. It was that, that mm -hmm. kind of play, play action, fake, misdirection, come back, the other, all that kind of thing. All right, now on defense. Okay, at the end of the day, you know, look, you, you don't win the game uh, in the stat column with yards and all this kind of thing. At the end of the day, who scores more than the other team? So the defense may have given yeah. up all this stuff, but they give up 16 points. But the one guy that killed them yesterday, and it's not like this should come as any surprise because last year, uh, Friar Muth killed this team in two games. He had monster games against the Bengals. So let, let's go to the very first play of this game with the Bengals on defense. Yeah, and this actually is the first play of the game. And so the, the Bengals, the, they're going to run like it's a trap pass. So they're going to do the same kind of uh, deal up front. They're going to pull a guard, have the back go to the right, and they're going to run all go. So they're going to have four verticals. So all four of their skill guys are running down the field. Well, they're playing Tampa 2 on uh, – on defense and you see how logan wilson's dropping deeper right there in the middle but he turned he turned his his hips and his eyes uh to his right to the offense's left all right and what he's doing that for if you watch 55 right there see how he turns and he's got his, his hips turned to the to the left of the offense well that's because the speed of uh pittsburgh is on that side when you play in tampa too the the dropper right there does that so the, the quarterback's watching the hips of logan wilson if he wouldn't, if he would have turned his hips the other way for some reason, he would have thrown it back to uh, number eleven over there in the and on the other seam. But again, they, you know, they came back and they used the tight end, uh, something that Pittsburgh hasn't been using, you know, in the past however long. But um, you know, apparently with the change in play calling, they decided to, uh, you know, reassess the situation with that. And again, that was the first play of the game, twenty-four yards. Yeah, I mean, I, and that, that, that is the part that people around here are just talking about. I mean, the Steeler team had gone 58 games in a row where they never reached 400 yards of offense. They fired their offensive coordinator at the beginning of the week. They divvy up, if you will. They had one guy who technically was the offensive coordinator. He had the game plan. And then they had another guy who was a play caller. And you kept hearing mm -hmm. over and over, and I look, I wasn't in on the meetings. I just heard that Charles Davis and uh, – I and Eagle talking about it on the broadcast about how they said, you know, look, it's more about just now communication. We got to do a better job, whatever that means. You could say it about anything. But clearly, the Steelers had a different look yesterday. I don't know if it's because they were better on offense and doing things different or the Bengals are just not having a, a good defensive year. One name uh, for the Bengals defense that we called for the first time yesterday, Miles Murphy, his first NFL mm -hmm. sack. 
And, and this guy, I'm, I'm just telling you, the only reason I wanted to show this is that I want to, I want to leave on a positive because okay, good. Uh, there's so, so much, so much negativity right now, but this kid was the first round pick and everybody's like, man, when's this guy going to show up? Uh, he's on the, he's at the top. He's, he's the D end at the top. He's going to go against the left tackle. And really, it's not that he's doing much. It's it's simple. He just rushes around him. But if you if you watch the get off and uh, the explosiveness that when which he comes off the ball, uh, that's something they've been waiting on. Something that the the Bengals, you know, I'm sure the staff and he said one arm bowl. And I mean, there's a lot of things that that guy did on that play uh, technically that is as good as anything. Because when he comes off, he he puts that one arm out and then he dips and rips and he comes underneath. And I mean that I, I get it. Pittsburgh's left tackle. I don't even know who he is, but I mean, he's he's probably not the one of the better ones in in the in the league. But again, that that's something I think if if that can start showing up more, it gives a chance to give you know let Hubbard, uh, Hendrickson, and those guys when when they can all come back healthy, um, you know, it gives them a chance to have somebody come in and not lose a step right there if he can continue to to do that. And you can start putting that guy in other places because what. Did, if you watch T.J. Watt, T.J. Watt doesn't line up in the same place every time. And that's where you can do things with guys like that is start moving them around, leave your bookends on the end, and let and let that guy move around and start doing some things inside and in different spots. Kyle, uh, we can't wait. Now, what time is the show going to be tomorrow night? Because you changed it once your high school season ended. So what time is the show going to be tomorrow night? It's going to be 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, It'll be on, uh, right here on afternoon. the Chatterbox uh, YouTube channel. Absolutely. All right, Kyle, we can't thank you enough for your uh, generous time and uh, and you're all over it and can't wait to see it tomorrow night because there are a lot of a lot of questions that need answering around uh, Bengal Nation here today. So thanks for your time. All right, guys, y'all have a good one. All right, you too. Kyle Kasky, kind enough to join us and uh, that's good stuff. Uh, I, I like how he tries to end on a positive because that's what we're all about mm -hmm. around here, mm -hmm. really, at the end of the day. We are very positive people. You I'm the most positive person. You guys are trying to kind of weigh me down. I mean, in the morning, we have our big meeting. We talk about the show. Yep. There is just, I mean, it's like uh, San Francisco, like at uh, 630 at night. Beautiful. Where the claw comes yeah. over the, 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 the stadium top in uh, Old Candlestick Park. They called it the claw because right at 630, you just see this huge, look like a claw of clouds. It came over from the left third base side, dropped down. And the temperature on a summer night would drop into the 40s or 50s. That's what you guys do to me. I come in hot, positive, warm, feeling good, warm and fuzzy. Yeah. And you yeah. weigh me down. Yeah. Tom, what is it about this Bengals team that makes you so optimistic? Optimistic? Positive. Positive, um, optimistic. I can Google some more sentiments if well, you like. I was saying, I thought, and even yesterday in our show, I was thinking, and Reed said it earlier today, I said to myself, okay, nobody has probably been harder on Zach Taylor than I have. But, but as I said to you guys earlier, look, I never believe in the quote-unquote, you know, uh, beating the dead horse. They're done. D-U-N. So what's the point in beating them down? Where you got to really drive a horse to finish is when you're right there running neck and neck and you're among the elite. And now what are you going to do to truly be the elite? I mean, you look at the, you look at even this cat who's only in his second year in Philly. What this guy's, he is driving a stallion. And he's pushing, and he's pushing. Down 10 in the fourth. Here we go. We're still running the ball. We're doing this. We're doing this. 
our defense is this and is this. Andy Reid, Belichick through the years. Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, leaders of men. Drive. I thought we would see something different. I saw nothing different. I saw the same old, same old tired act. The same old tired act that produced 20 points per game when Joe Burrow was a quarterback. You know, Dan Dockich, the big radio guy, you know, and ESPN basketball and everything, mm-hmm. he'll forever be known in Indiana lore as a guy who held down Michael Jordan in an NCAA tournament game. Joe Burrow's offense scored 20 points a game this year. The old question, what's holding you back? Tom, we can keep talking about this offense all we want. I I don't know if it's going to get any better with Jake Brown, and especially if they're not going to commit to the run, and we could could beat those those points to to a pulp. We want to talk about something new. I have serious, serious doubts about what this defense is. And I think that's more than fair. Over the last three weeks, they've yep. given up 500-plus yards, 450 yards to the Ravens, and 400-plus yards to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Almost 1,400 yards of offense over three games. Oh, the Pittsburgh Steelers haven't had 400 yards in, in, in four seasons, and Kenny Pickett had the second-best passing yards game of his career. So when I look at this defense, why doesn't it work? Why doesn't it work? I have a hard time, truly have a hard time I'm believing with that – Jesse Bates and Von Bell are the only reasons it doesn't work. Those are the, the two pieces that were gone from last year that didn't return. And Dax Hill has been more than serviceable. has been pretty good as a safety, replacing one of those. So I have a really tough time believing that it's just Jesse Bates and Von Bell. It, you look at this defense, something's wrong, and, and people are going to say, but they only scored 16 points. But, yeah, you can't give up 400 yards to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can't let Kenny Pickett throw yeah. for 270. I look at this defense – and I don't – something needs fixed. I don't know what needs to be fixed. There's, there's not a loose bolt that, that just pops out. There's, it, it's like you're sitting in your house and, and water's coming through and you don't know where it's coming from because the linebackers have had success for the Cincinnati Bengals. Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt have been good linebackers. Trey Hendrickson's top five in the league in sacks. Sam Hubbard's having his best year as a pass rusher. DJ Reader's been pretty good. B.J. Hill has had moments. The cornerbacks have been okay. Cam Taylor Britt's kind of blossoming into a star. Awuzie's been all right. And yeah, the, the the safety production hasn't been hasn't been perfect. Nick Scott's been terrible. Yep. But I look at this team, this defense, and I don't see any glaring holes, but still they're giving up 450 yards a game. Yep. It is a bottom of the league defense and they don't have an excuse. You keep bringing up 20 points a game on the offense, at least they have an excuse to where the first four games of the year, Joe Burrow wasn't healthy, and now they're going to play with a backup quarterback. They have at least an excuse. The defense, and they've had some injuries, but they don't have the excuses that the offense had. I, I look at this defense, I don't, I don't know what the problem is, and I don't know how you solve it. That's, that's the most troubling thing when I look at the Cincinnati Bengals at this very moment. All right, let's hold it right there. Let's get to our locals at 11. Uh, we have to honor a bet that was made here coming up in a matter of minutes, and that's with Drew Garrison. I don't want to do it. I want nothing to do with this next segment. But I, I, made I can't wait for it. I'm really excited it. for it. And I have to honor Drew Garrison, Michigan man. Uh, and we said that if Michigan won, he could come on for a few minutes and join us. So he could just pound his chest and, 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 and you know, jump up and down with a maize and blue and do whatever it is he's going to do. And, and we're going to give him a chance to do that. We like Drew Garrison. 
in all seriousness, we, we thank the world of Drew Garrison. So, Drew, your moment is right around the corner. Who's doing what now? I think we're, we're just doing ad reads. Right. And, well, uh, then go ahead. And I think Super yeah. Chats, too. And, yeah, I'll, I'll read right. Super Chats after. Um, Bengals Conversation brought to you by Encore Technologies, the Bengals Report. Um, Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. 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 Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins productivity. here. And Pawnee Water, made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. You can visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. And uh, let's read some of the super chats because we got yeah, a lot to go, go through let's before. Go through. Let's before, go through uh, these super chats. We'll start it off with. Yep. Uh, we got Chi Town Real Estate. Yeah. $5 super chat says, Hope y'all had a great weekend. Bengals suck. My Chicago team sucks. But I love you all. Yeah. Thank you, Chicago. Chi Town Real Estate. And then we have Justin. He says, $5 super chat. They should be fired immediately. Remember the old man he called out? He was right about your team, Ryan. He maybe, was. Maybe, right? We'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Lou Holtz yep. is grinning. Swaggy Plague, $5 super chat. Red's package purchased. Everyone else, get oh, yeah, yours swaggy. while they last. P.S. Fire Reed. Love you, Swaggy. Even though you're coming hard at me today. Talk yeah. about Salina football and how bad Bluffton baseball is. That's tough. These are these are Damn. tough. These are tough chats, Swaggy. That's tough. Then we got a new chat member, Steve from Chicago. Mm. Yes, Come on, Steve. A ten dollars super chat. Harbaugh next year. Ooh. Taylor is always outcoached in this division, and the record shows it. GM should be on the hot seat for the roster with no depth at any key positions. Do not let the Bears get Harbaugh. Mm. Interesting take. Hey, really quickly, uh, let's do a round the horn real fast on that super chat. If there was a draft of NFL owners and you took only the head coaches of the AFC North, Zach Taylor finishes what pick? He certainly wouldn't be the first two. Yeah, that's, that's the debate, right? Right, right. He certainly wouldn't be the first two. So it's just if, if you want Stefanski or, or Zach Taylor. And if, if you're asking people in this room – Actually, if you're asking, it's probably Zach Taylor over Stefanski just because of the success that has been had. I don't think Stefanski is very good. So right. for that reason and for that reason alone, I will take Zach Taylor with the third overall pick. If you, if you, did, a, if you did a draft of coaches in the, in the NFL, Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin would be in the top five picks. I think you're right. Yeah, that's Pretty fair. Close. All right, keep it going. Uh, then we got two super chats from Ben Riley. $5 for the first one. Zach and OC didn't really help Jake at all. Only eight carries are useless. Yes, Jake made errors, but it was serviceable enough. That's right. That's right. Then he said, FYI, another $5 super chat. Jesse Bates is having a Pro Bowl type year per PFF. And then I saved. He can't pay a safety when he's getting paid. Drew Garrison. Oh, well, we have another one after this one. But Drew Garrison says it was always Michigan Moneyline. We're going to hear enough from Drew. And, Keep going. And last but not least, Chase Heitkamp, 
Marion Local won 42 0. Marion. 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 Marion, Ohio. Marion. Marion. Marion Local from Maria Stein. Marion. Won 42 to nothing. They never lose. The Mac. They should, you should read that. If, if, you don't, if you guys don't know about Marion Local, they, the New York Times did an article about Marion Local last year. That is awesome. Just talking about the powerhouse. It's unreal. It, it's, Tom, I, I've brought this up before. Marion Local graduates about 50 kids a class. Coldwater graduates closer to 100 kids a class. When they get together, the split the pot for the football game reaches over ten thousand dollars. That's that? how many people go to those games. Well, the whole town, the goes entire to those the, games. The, the town, shut down and they go to that football. That's exactly game. right. Do they have internet out there yet? <laughs> I believe they do. It all depends. Right. Also, uh, real quick, also uh, the the chatterbox, the chatterbox.com store. If you yeah. go, if you go to chatterbox, listen, we got a lot of good merch. Is it still? Is the deal still running on Cyber Monday? It's running until this Saturday. This Saturday. Which is an absurd deal, by the Ooh. way. It, it genuinely is an absurd deal. I mean, I don't, we're, I don't even know if we're making money off of it, but everybody wants merch. You want a good deal? We'll give you a good deal. I don't know if we can say do the same deal next year because genuinely we buy nice stuff which costs money. And, you know, we might, I don't know, we might make like a dollar or two off of it, but it's 50% off. You go find you a nice shirt that costs $17, bring it to me, and uh, you won't never be able to find it because it genuinely is not Hoodies for 30 bucks in there. Let's go. People want to know time. where to find the merch. Chatterbox.com slash store. Or just go to chatterbox.com. Uh, Chatterboxsports.com. Yes. Chatterboxsports.com slash store. Casey's going to put it in the soup. We'll put it in the chat here in a second. We'll pin it at the top. You can go check it out. Of course, open it up in a new tab because we don't want you to leave. All right, do we have Drew Garrison ready? No, we don't. He's not here yet. Man, what if well, he stood wow. you up? What if he stood now. you up? Hold <laughs> on a second. What if he stood you up? Let me get this straight. You mean to tell me that we read and listen to all his smack talk and we set up a time for him to come on, right? Honoring our commitment. Casey, that's not the first of all, I gotta interrupt you. That's uh chatterboxsports.com slash cart is uh not not it. it. It takes you how about we just go to chatterboxsports.com and you click on the store. I'll I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah, go back you, to your you bit, Tom. It. I'm just waiting. I'm, I mean I'm wondering what's going on here. Is he there? He's not there. He's not there. Okay, he sent me last night this DM is sad. sent me his email address. That's what I gave to you, Casey, right? Right. I'm not going to give it out. But uh, look, Drew, if you're out there, it, it, he, he, now he just wrote in. He says it shows that I'm in. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, he's we not. Got a, we, got a, we got producer problem? No, no, he's not in. I think Ohio State was stealing signs from his email. Has he got the right link? Ohio State was stealing signs from his email. He should have the right link. Tom, are you worried that if Ohio State were to make the, the, the playoff, right, and they yeah. were to win the national championship, would you feel, like, let a little bit sad because you didn't win the big one this year? Right. No, no. Because that's and really I what it comes down to. This you talk about one. Ryan Day is just, I mean, it is such beyond belief nonsense. This guy's 56-6. and six. He was a field goal away from playing in the national championship game last year. He's, he's lost to Michigan three years in a row. Okay, I don't like it. I wish it were different, but that's what happened. The last three years he's played, both of them have been ranked in the top five in the country, and they got beat. Now, we'll find out if the last two years had anything to do with what they got going on there at Michigan. We'll find that out. But the other day, 
They beat him. I mean, that young guy, Moore, coached an exceptional game. Exceptional game. He went for it when he had the chance. Day did not. Day was, he let it all hang out last year against Georgia after not letting it hang out against Michigan. That first series of the game, fourth down and two at midfield, you've got one of the top five defenses in the country. You go for it. You send a message right there. Right then and there. We're here to play and compete and take it to you. He didn't do it. Punted the ball away. So, look, Harbaugh lost his first, what, five, all of them against Urban? Mm -hmm. And people talking about firing Harbaugh. I don't hear much of that firing Harbaugh anymore. Now that he's kind of got this thing Well, he won the big one. What's that? He's winning this game. He won the big one. Well, yeah, until he then got in the playoff. And he hasn't done as well as as, uh, Day has done in the playoff. They at least got to a championship game. So, you know, this stuff is ridiculous. I mean, they're, they're top three, four recruiting again this year. In fact, I just saw a thing the other day where as far as average player ranking for this upcoming recruiting class, mm-hmm. Ohio State has the highest per average player rating of all the schools in the country. So give me a break. You know who else was good at recruiting? Travis Steele of Xavier. Didn't equate to much. Travis Steele and Ryan Day are very similar coaches. Very yeah. similar. Yeah, they got a lot. Very uh, similar. But coaches. before it sounds like Drew's Drew's getting in here. But before we do this, I mean, it, it's been so long since Ohio State has beat Michigan. I did some history check. I had to go way back. The number one movie in the box office the last time that they beat them three in a row. That that was back in 2019. Really long time ago. It was Frozen Two. That's how long ago it was, Tom. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 the last what? The last time what happened? Ohio State beat Michigan. You're right. It's been over a thousand Why days. Why can't they COVID, win the big one? COVID nineteen was a thousand long days. Discovered. There's no doubt about Donald it. So Trump are we gonna are president? we gonna blame the past two years for cheating? But then this year, no, we don't blame for cheating, right? No, I, I'm just saying that I think that, that there's going to be some things that come out which would lead you to believe how they held C.J. Stroud to 23 points okay. for two years in a row. I think there's probably a good chance that's coming out. And as I've said already, I'd bet the ranch on it. Harbaugh, after this college football playoff, if they win this weekend, he's not coaching again at Michigan. It's over. Because they are going to throw the book at Michigan. You can book it. He went out on top. He went out on top. He won the big one. Look at him. Look at our main man, Drew Garrison. Drew, now I'm going to add, first of all, congratulations. We can sit here, and and I sent you you the, the, the DM last night, uh, congratulating you that we would honor our commitment. You must be feeling mighty proud. How you are a Michigan man, I have no idea. We'll get to that in a minute. But congratulations. What do you have to say for yourself and the Wolverines? I just want to know, where did you watch the game, Tom? I was at home. Okay. I was at Ziggy's in Moreno, Ohio. It's me versus the entire bar. And it just felt so sweet, as it does every year. So I just feel like Ryan Day called his big brother. His big brother tried to do something. Then he got beat up by that kid's little brother, Sharon Moore. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful feeling. (laughs) Drew, when you look at this team now, they're moving on. They've got three straight wins now over Ohio State. You know, a lot of people in the chat have been asking, and this is a serious question. I mean, we've been jacking around a lot, but it's a serious question. You being a Michigan man, Harbaugh being a Michigan man, when he was getting his brains kicked in every year by Urban Meyer, 
Um, were there people like you in Michigan that were saying, hey, we got to get this guy out of here. He can't beat Ohio State. I'm being serious when I ask you this question because Harbaugh never beat. He never beat uh, uh, Urban Meyer. Full fire Jim Harbaugh train in 2021 when he dropped that game to Michigan State. I can't lie. I was calling for his head. I wanted him to get out of there. And then he regrouped. He, he won the big one in the snow, five rushing touchdowns. Um, Ohio State was in there. Don't tackle Hassan Haskins defense and Michigan. <laughs> um, it was really I was I was ready to fire the guy as one being fully transparent. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Now you look at Michigan's chances moving forward here. They got the Big Ten championship game, which everybody feels is going to be a boat race, whether it was Michigan or Ohio State in there against Iowa, and then staring down the barrel at a college football playoff. Where are you expectations-wise? You know who's out there, who the other teams are. We don't know who's going to be in that final four when all is said and done. But you certainly suspect Georgia's there, Michigan will be there, and two other really good teams that are going to be there. So what's the hope and the expectation? Michigan's defense and Michigan's running game can beat those teams. But if those teams make it to where J.J. McCarthy has to beat them, then I start to get worried because I'm a realist. We just watched Jake Browning versus Kenny Pickett, and that was the professional version of J.J. McCarthy versus Kyle <laughs> McCord. So I watched that game twice this weekend. I recognize that J.J. McCarthy's probably not going to go toe-to-toe with Georgia and knock them off. But Blake Corm can. Now, Michigan lost their best starting lineman in Zach Zinter. Uh, broken tibula, broken fibula. It was just brutal. Um, but if it, if the ball's put in J.J. McCarthy's hands, he's not going to beat Georgia. He's probably not going to beat anybody that makes it into the top four, and that's just the reality of the situation, and I'm, I'm smart enough to know that at least. Do, would you like to see Ohio State get a little help and then get in there and play in that Final Four? Would you like to see that? Yeah, because I would love the chance to just – out tough them and outman them again on the mm. biggest stage of them all because Michigan just beat them in the game of the century, the most important game in the history of that rivalry because next season it goes to a 12-team playoff. So the chance that Ohio State ever had to keep Michigan out of the college football playoff is now gone. They can both be 11-0 and next year and lose, and they'll both get in the 12-team playoff. That's there was never more at stake, not, not even with all the talk and all the chatter and you know the, the cheating allegations and Ryan Day being a woman and all of these things that were being said on the internet. I didn't say it. Some people are saying it. <laughs> that's never going to be there again. That's why it was the game of the century, and that's why it's the biggest win in the history of that rivalry. So I can lay my head at night and just know that Michigan always got the biggest one ever. All right. Now, you know, Drew, it's easy to see when you come on this show, you're a very articulate guy, smart guy. You know, somewhere the screw got loose because I think your dad played for Ohio State, right? Is that right? He did. So I, I kind of told the story on Twitter over the weekend, but he played for Woody Hayes at Ohio State. If you look up so the So what the hell happened to you? <laughs> so Michigan-Ohio State game, I'm about five years old. Um, I do something um, incorrect. I was probably wrong. Uh, my dad uh, spanked me, busted my yes, ass. Yes. Sorry. Good show. Yep. Been there. Um, and two things happened from that. I now suffer from a disorder called um, respect for others, and I became a <laughs> Michigan fan. Um, I told him at that moment I was a Michigan fan, 
And I stuck with it. I fell in love with the team. I fell in love with the program. There's pictures of me as a small child with a Michigan Michigan hat on that I posted out this weekend just to kind of prove that I'm not faking this. And now we have a bet every year. Loser does a lap around the bar in the other guy's jersey. I've done several, several laps in scarlet and gray, and he's done the last three in maize and blue. So it's just it's turned into a very, very big um, day for me and my dad. It's our biggest day of the year. We love each other to death. We have a great relationship. Um, some people tell me I have, I'm a Michigan fan because of daddy issues. That's not true. Very supportive. Great father. Um, so it's just kind of something that's brewed since I was a kid, and now it's, it's, it's a holiday for our family. Do you do any kind of show on like uh, the internet or on social media, everything? Because Drew, I mean, you're on your game. I mean, I, I just said you got to screw loose, but you're on your game. Is there anywhere where people can follow you? Because this has been a very enjoyable interview. I was not looking forward to this at all. Uh, but I have to say it's I'm been being quite nice to enjoyable. you, Tom. I know you are. I, I, I'm I being you. You're, you're, you're one of the voices of my yeah. childhood watching. I'm giving, I'm giving the due respect. And... Um, I am on Twitter at Drew Garrison. That's where I spend a lot of my time and say a lot of stuff. I tweet far too much, um, as some would say, because I work from home and that's just kind of what I do. Um, and I know you said that they're going to throw the book at Michigan. And I just want to put this message out there to Buckeye Nation and everybody in the chat. And Mr. Mo, it was not an intentional block. I love you. That was an act. <laughs> if the NCAA throws the book at Michigan, and wins are vacated. I'm not sure wins will be vacated, but if they are, I just want you guys to know that you can vacate wins, but that feeling deep in the pit of your stomach that you have felt the last Saturday of November, the last three seasons, you will never be able to vacate that. You're, you will always on. feel it. You are spot on, Drew. I cannot argue with you. have never been more correct about anything in your life. Hey, uh, I guess your fiance, little uh, medical scare, but she's okay, right? She's she, yeah, she's good. So that's why that's okay. why I'm remote today instead of coming in. I'm I'm hanging out being dad, you know, while she heals up. She's she's all good now. So everything's fine there. Um, and okay. before I go, I want to say hi, mom. And um, I love you, Elliot. I love you, Drew. I love you, Drew. <laughs> you love that guy. I love him. Love him. A Michigan man. To death. That's that's right. I love him. Okay. All right, Drew, I tell you what, uh, when we get to the college football playoff, uh, if Michigan beats Iowa this week and they get in, we're going to make sure that you can come into the studio and give us a full preview of the national semifinal game. Is that a deal? I will make that happen. Absolutely. I've got plenty of paid time off to burn. All right. My job Who stinks cares? anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, have a great day, man. Thanks for your time. This was fun. You guys have a good one. Go blue. All right, man. All right. Drew Garrison. That was good stuff. That was really good stuff. Now, what, what, what's your relationship with you, Elliot, and, and Drew Garrison? He's just a very nice man. Well, he is a very nice man, but I mean... Yeah, he just... Well, he's, he, he, I think when I, when I announced my decision to come to Chatterbox, two people were... The, the, the very first two people to say, congratulations, Elliot, good job. It was Sir Boy Wonder. Sir Boy Wonder was the very first person. Yep. I thought Sir Boy worked here. Yep. The other person was Drew Garrison, who I also thought worked here at the time. <laughs> So both 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 of uh, those people welcomed me in, and I lo I've I've loved Drew uh, ever since. Why 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 do we have people in the chat beating both of you guys down so badly today? What uh, have either you, one of you done? Evan Maurer is saying, yeah, you know, well, this, this guy stinks, um, and yeah. you you're taking a beating today, Reed. And I think the last two days ever. you have been on your game. <laughs> I've, I've taken a beating every day on this show. 
every day everyone just drags me down. There, there's our, our company has a fire read promotion, <laughs> so it's, it's it's all part of all part of the game. I don't know about Elliot. He's, yeah, well, I I get a little bit of heat from Evan because Evan's brain he, it kind of breaks down every once in a while, and he thinks that players shouldn't get paid money. And that the Castellinis are really good owners, even though they've never done Who anything meaningful that? ever. Evan Maurer, he's in the chat. Uh, you can go follow him on Twitter for all his nonsense. But he believes basically that players don't deserve any contract over uh, one year. The Reds should never spend any money. Any veteran players, not worth it. It's all about the prospect game. And that's what Evan, that's what Evan does. And, and I, I listen, if you want to live that way, I, I'm sure you can go ahead and do that. It hasn't really worked for the Reds, I'd say, over the past 20 years. But maybe the next 20 will be better, Evan. I, who knows? Who knows? Let's keep doing your method. All right, look, I, you know, I want to get to something since you brought up the Reds here because, um, look, we're, we're going to end up spending you know, a lot of time during this offseason. It's a quote-unquote hot stove leak. But to have a hot stove, you need to put wood okay, into the flame. Right? I mean, if all of a sudden you just let that wood burn, 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 you, know, you might have some hot coals down there at the bottom. Might keep you a little bit warm for a while, but if you really want to stay warm in the dead of winter, you, you got to feed that thing, right? Okay. All four of you guys, well, I'm going to take Reed out of that because he's not a big Reds fan. But not a little Reds you fan. other three guys, Trey Son, Chatterbox Reds, Casey started following baseball and went to more games than anybody in the room this year, I think. Yeah. All right? Sure. And then, of course, Elliot with you, uh, being a hardcore Reds fan. I got to ask you, fellas, when all of a sudden do you start saying, I asked a question all of last winter. You guys laughed at me morning, noon, and night. The chat used to make fun of me when I asked, are the Bengals better this year than they were a year ago? Everybody laughed. Oh, our window's wide open. We're kicking ass and taking names. (laughs) They're five and six. When are the Reds going to do something? Because we've seen the St. Louis Cardinals, and I'm asking this sincere. I'm not asking this to beat anybody up. I'm not beating down the Castellinis. I'm not beating down Nick Crawl. I'm asking you as a fan. When are you going to all of a sudden start watching teams? You know, forget if the Yankees or somebody signs Shohei, right? Or the Dodgers or something. Okay, fine. Go. Do whatever you want to do. But when the Cubbies go out mm. and they bring in Craig Council as a manager, whether you think a manager makes a big deal or not, Craig Council is one of the top two or three guys out there. And they just paid him a king's ransom to come in and manage the team. So at least you're getting from a managerial standpoint – a s- severe upgrade, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay? Then you're watching the St. Louis Cardinals, who, who they come out and they say publicly, not behind the scenes and behind these little walls, and we're going to all of a sudden keep everything a really tight plan that we're going <laughs> to do this year. They're saying to the public, boys and girls, we stunk last year. We ain't going to stink again. Or at least we're going to go down swinging if we do. And here they come. Lance Lynn, eh, all right. One year's $10 million, not too shabby, man. $10 million bucks in today's game is, is pocket change, right? Should be. Now, Sonny Gray. Now, whether you think Sonny Gray is worth $15, $20 million. $25 million. All right. Well, look, you, we can sit there and debate that from now till the end of time. All it takes is one owner who thinks that he's good enough for $25 million, and he's getting $25 million, mm-hmm. period, end. 
But when are you going to start to ask the question, what are we doing and when are we doing it? Yeah, and, and my, biggest, my biggest concern was that Nick Crawl, hashtag get crawled, Nick Crawl is going to look at this roster and say, well, we have every position f filled out. You look at our infield, we're stacked already. We have to get rid of one guy. It's going to it's going to probably be Jonathan India. I don't want it to be, but Jonathan India is probably going to get traded. I, I would assume within the next month. Jonathan India is not a Cincinnati Red. Saying that, you look at the outfield. The outfield's now loaded. You got Jake Fraley, Will Benson, T.J. Friedel, Spencer Steer's going to be out there every once in a while. You look at the catching position. You got two catchers now. You look at the starting pitching. You have arguably six six starting pitchers. You can argue make make that argument. The bullpen's coming off the best bullpen year I've seen in my lifetime. Maybe. I guess you could argue the, the 2012, 2010 years were probably a little bit better with the role as Chapman and everybody else. But saying all that, I am a little bit concerned Nick Crawl is going to look at this roster and say, well, we don't need to do a whole lot because we've got every position filled. Where are they going to go? Everybody wants all these prospects up, but the issue with that, if you want all these prospects up, you're going to run out of room a little bit, especially at the starting pitching, uh, the starting pitching area. So if I were the Reds, I would, yeah, I, I want one starting pitcher, veteran starting pitcher. I want one right-handed power bat somewhere. Uh, I, I, would I would presume that would be the outfield. I don't know if it'll happen. I don't know. I I'm a little concerned it won't happen. I think they're going to trade Jonathan India, and I think that's going to be our move. I, don't, I think, I, I think you'll maybe you'll see a couple little names in there for a reliever spot, but I don't think they're going to go crazy. If anybody was expecting some big free agency splash, you're, you're not going to see that. I'd say you're going to see two sizable names – and a couple little sprinkles in there is what is what I predict. When will it happen? I presume within all, all of this will happen within the next month. I pre I predict. Trace, are you a little concerned? You were no. doing chatterbox reds no. every night. No, no. Uh, sometimes I wonder. Sometimes is this like the gaslighting to stay away from the Ohio State topic and whether Ryan Day should be on the hot seat or not? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, this is a nothing burger right now for for the Reds. I, the, what's the rush? You know, it leads me to the idea of trying to win a press conference sometimes. Like, oh, look how great we are. Well, that worked out really well for a lot of teams last year, didn't it? I mean, the Padres, fantastic yep, season. Just right. a great season by the Padres. And then, you know, the Mets, fantastic season yep. for the Mets. Spend as much money as you possibly can. Keep going. Go, 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 go. You know, you want to spend three years, $75 million on Sonny Gray, who has injury problems or has had injury problems. And... You know, you think that's going to fix all the holes that, that exist within the, the Cardinals. By the way, I don't think it's a bad deal for the Cardinals. They're, they're obviously going, I don't want to say all in, but they are certainly trying to make a push while they have some of these guys on the back end of their, their careers, like Goldschmidt and Arenado. Those guys might have maybe a couple good years left in them. So I don't blame them, and I'm not upset at the fact that you can't spend money, and, and certainly the Reds are going to spend some money. But am I worried about any of it? No. Don't let The only thing that irritates me sometimes in this city is that you let one fan base or you let one franchise upset you about the next one, right? It's like, just because the Bengals have fallen off the face of the earth doesn't mean now that the, that the Reds have to go and fill a void or a hole in your life and go out and get somebody while the other teams are making moves. None of this is relatively important right now, in my opinion. Like I said before, this Reds team, as much as I'm excited about it, I also am not naive to the idea they have a lot of young players that are not proven, and I'm not even all that sure that one starting pitcher is going to ultimately do it. If you went out and got Sonny Gray, do I think that puts him over the top? I don't. I, I really don't. This Reds franchise, and the way that I'm going to judge Nick Kroll, is ultimately not going to be through free agency. It's going to be, can he justifiably get guys through trades and draft well 
and bring up a farm system where you're not always begging and going out and trying to fill holes. You got you can't miss on guys like Rhett Louder. Rhett Louder has to be a good, good, good arm in two years max. Right? Floyd needs to be a decent arm in a couple years max. So we're not always looking for this hole to fill. Now, granted, you have to spend some money, Tom, we all know, in free agency. But, I mean, right now, today, I to say that I'm concerned, it would be, I'll put it this way. I'm more worried about whether or not Georgia is going to beat Alabama and whether or not Ohio State has a way to back into a playoff because I think Ohio State's one of the four best teams in the country. And we could talk about you know college football as a whole maybe in yep. a second. But I, I, there wasn't one ounce of thought this weekend about, wow, what are the Reds doing? I can't believe that, you know, well, even this morning I seen Sunny Gray. I thought, oh, that's cute. I thought about it for three seconds. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I, I just sit here and I, and I think to myself, because I think there are parallel. I think you're spot on. What you said about how one's team, one team's downfall in our town leads us to start to, to, to look at another team, right? Because a lot of people are saying, when does baseball start around here? And we still got a full college basketball season to go. And UC is off to a really good start. Good. And they might get another player back eligible to make them even better. Maybe. Maybe. They got one back already. Right. We'll get all of that, you know, as, as time goes by and we get more into the college season. But I, I, I do think there is a parallel here, although they don't have a quote-unquote Joe Burrow. This is exactly what I was saying during the baseball season about the Reds looking ahead to next year and the next year and the next year. And these people saying, you got all these great players. And I give Nick Crawl the credit in the world. He's laid it right out there and said, hey, look, they might have looked good this first year in the big leagues. But, you know, baseball history has been littered with guys that come back a second and a third year and they're nothing. I mean, they just fall off the table. Okay? And I, I don't want that to happen to these guys. I want to see them come out and steer and McLean and De La Cruz and Friedel and all these guys. I want to see them, Encarnacion Strand, play great. I want to see uh, – uh, a full season of Hunter Green. I want to see a full season of Nick Lodolo. I want to see a full season of Brandon Williamson. I'm looking forward to seeing that. And Garrett Ashcraft. But there is no guarantee that you're going to be great for all these many years to come because you saw some nice things out of some young players. All we've heard is the Burrow window is always open. Well... What happens when all of a sudden he's a little nicked up or now he's seriously hurt and now you've spent all that money on him and it's cost you some players on different positions. Well, now that window starts to shrink a little bit. And before you know it, you wake up one morning and you're like, oh my God, in the Reds case, you know, say you wait around for these two arms to show up. Okay. Well, by the time that happens, you're now in salary arbitration with that entire fleet of young players. And that's when the big bucks start to come out. Because the one thing that's going to happen to the Reds, and I know it's a a few years down the road, but that's why I say you got to go for it now. Just like last year at the trade deadline, you're right there from getting in. You got to go for it now. Because you don't know if all these guys are going to play as well. Maybe they'll all play better. Maybe they won't. You're going to be facing again at the beginning of next baseball season where you have not had Green, Ashcraft, Lodolo throw over 160 innings in a season. They're going to be limited to the number of innings that they're going to be able to pitch next year. 
you could hit August, and we're going to be asking the same questions about all three of those guys that we were asking about Andrew Abbott this season when his season completely fell apart after he got to a certain number of starts and innings this year. So, you know, look, you can say Sonny Gray, it's a cute sign, whatever you want. Look, the dude in his career has barely over a three ERA. He was a runner-up to the Cy Young Award, Garrett Cole, the winner in the American League this year. He had a 2.7 earned run average this season. He's pretty damn good. And again, you can debate whether he's worth $20, 25000000 million from now till the end of time. For but, three years, by the way. Yeah. I so got, in two, I, I in two years when the guy is basically worthless as a pitcher, which I will sit here and tell you straight to your face, Sonny Gray will be worthless in three years. Okay. You're going to be paying him $25 million. You just, this franchise can't do that. Okay. If that's what the going rate was, Tom, you just can't do that as a, if, you're, if you're the Reds. Okay. Well, let me ask you this, Tom. I they got to spend some money on somebody. I was going to say, if, like, if, if, that's the, if, if that's the mentality that that's the going rate, you can't spin that, then, then like, I guess I just don't understand where they are. When you're ready. When you're ready, guys. Okay. They're not ready. They're okay. not ready. They, 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 they won 82 games, and you guys sit here and act like, Tom, the, the, the Bengals were in the AFC Championship game two years in a row. If the Reds are in the NLCS and they make the World Series for two years in a row, Tom, I'll sit here and stand on the damn mountaintops and scream to the heavens that they need to go out and get whoever they can okay. to get them over the hump. Okay. But, they, but, but they won like eight games in the NFL, and we're sitting here acting like they should be in the Super Bowl. They're not, I want to see if these guys are good. I don't know if they are. Is Ellie De La Cruz good? I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Is Noel Vey good? I don't know. He just got hurt for the second time in, in winter ball. Matt McClain hit 222 in Chattanooga two years ago. Right. CES, what is he? Tyler Stevenson, for all intents and purposes, half the league wouldn't have taken him last year. Graham Ashcraft has been hurt every year. Nick Lodolo, hurt every year. Hunter Green, I don't know. Hurt is every he year. good? Is he good? Uh, so it sounds like I'm pessimistic to all these players, but what I am saying is I'm not here to sit here and say, wow, we got to go get a frontline starter for the next two years because that's what's going to get us over the top. No, let's see what we have. Let's, let's be patient for just a half a second in this town, which I know is hard when you waited 20 years. I get that. I'm not naive to that, Tom. But they're not right there. They're just not. Now, I hope I'm wrong, and they come out and they have – Three All-Stars next year. But this team had how many All-Stars last year? They had one. It was their closer. Fact. Fact. Yeah, the, the, the path forward for the Reds, and, the, and I'm not telling you guys anything that you don't know, isn't about what free agents they sign, what trades they make. It's about development. Listen, I, I look at the Cincinnati Reds. I see two, two paths, two very distinct paths. Everyone compared them to the Baltimore Orioles, right? This is The Reds look very similar to what the Baltimore Orioles were a season ago. The Reds might turn into what the Baltimore Orioles are, a 100-win team. They really might if things keep developing in the right way. They keep turning the right way. But in the same jest, they can wind up like the Chicago White Sox. You guys remember the Chicago yeah. White Sox four years ago? They had Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez. They had Tim Anderson. Abreu. And Abreu, Dylan Cease, Lucas Giolito, all these young guys who are still only 26, by the way. And they win 83 games in the Allen Central. This team's going to be a contender for years to come. Three years later, none of the guys got better besides Luis Robert. And they are blowing it up and starting new. So what path are the Reds going to go down? Are they going to develop into this team that could be similar to the Baltimore Orioles? Or are they going to go the way of the Chicago White Sox and not get any better? And these all these young players that you get all excited about was, was just a dud. 
the payroll the payroll is almost at zero i'd say for for the average spending mlb team the reds payroll this season right now as of where we stand it's essentially nothing we're paying no money anywhere saying that they will spend they will do something trace is right you should be patient but at the same time the diamondbacks just got to a world series and i would say we're as talented as the diamondbacks right i i think the diamondbacks have had made have made what moves this offseason well, I mean, they have a little bit more wiggle room now. I mean, hold well, on. He just, they they well, get a little you bit. Can't, but you can't say the Reds and the Diamondbacks are the same team and then turn around and say, well, they, they don't need to do anything. They just made the World no, Series. I, th- I think if you looked over I didn't say the, the, the same. broad. I he didn't say that. He's saying over the broad body of work, 162 game schedule, which weeds out this and weeds out that. The Diamondbacks won two more games than the Reds. So you could logically say at the end of the regular season when it ended this year, you could basically say the Diamondbacks or the Reds are the same team, basically. And I would argue that the Reds have a more talented team than them. Now, they did not have, ta- they did not have starters pitches consistently well as the top two guys. But let's not forget, as Reed has pointed out, when they're bringing up Fock to pitch in the postseason, they sent this guy to the minor leagues three times this year because he couldn't get me out. So when the regular season ended, they were basically the same team. Two of the youngest teams in the year – Two clubs, 100 games, losses from a year or two before. Two of the worst teams in the league. Reds two years ago, Diamondbacks three years ago. They're building it from the ground up. They're not spending any money on free agent players. And so at the end of 162, you're looking at them, they're a wash. Well, the Diamondbacks, they made a bunch of deals. A bunch of deals to improve that bullpen. They just got them in. And then what happened when they got in? So now what they do moving forward, I would bet money that Mike Hayes and their general manager is going to be wheeling and dealing. That's my opinion. Because like you just said, they're not spending any money on anybody. Yeah, none. So we, I don't know. I, to answer your question, no, I'm not concerned. I saw this question on uh, Reds Twitter, Tom. Would you trade one World So let's say next year the Reds win the World Series. Would you be okay with that knowing that the next nine years would be losing seasons? Or would you rather have 10 winning seasons but never have a World Series? I don't think that answer? was it. That's what, I, that's, well, that's, that's what I saw. What's nah. your answer? My answer would be World Series and the rest of the years don't Get matter. to it or win it? Win it. Oh, oh, the, the, a World Series championship or be competitive and give yourself a chance for the next 10 seasons. But never have it never be guaranteed. That's what it was. That's what it was. I was, I was asking you, do you want one in, the, one in the hand or two in the hand? I think I'd take the 10 years of having a shot. Yep. So would I. And this guy got slandered all over social media for it. Who did? You did? No, 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 not me. There was another, I think, a genuine thing. There was another genuine genuine account that was being serious. He said, I would rather have 10 years of a 90-plus win team than to be guaranteed one World Series and nine terrible seasons. And I don't think that's a really bad take at all. But bye, man, this got slandered all over the internet I don't understand that. I I don't understand that. Yeah, I would compare it to the NFL, I would would take – 10 years of the Bengals going 11 and 6, 12 and 5, and get a chance to make the postseason or get in the postseason and win the Super Bowl. Roll the dice. Yeah. As opposed to just give us the Super Bowl and then we'll be 4, yeah. and, four and 13 for the rest of the time. Because all you'd be doing for the next 10 years after you win the World Series is bad mouthing everybody in sight. Right. You just, it's just not fun. As it's, opposed to talking every single year, summer after summer after summer after summer, we're in first. We're going to get in. We're division champs. I mean, in that 10-year period, you're going to win four, five, seven division titles, right? right? 
win 90 or more games every year, probably pretty much a guarantee most years. Uh, if you're in the hunt, I'd take that all day, every day. Now, if you told us, which is the part where I think many people misled, if you told me that they were going to play 10 years and you guaranteed me no World Series, right, if it was, if then it was, that changes the dynamic right, significantly, right. which let is not let what me he ask said. You, can I ask you this? What do you think? Let's say Betford has a line. Over, sure. under a half World Series for the Reds in the next 10 years. You taking the over or the under? I mean, I'd, I'd easily take the under because there's 30 teams in Major League right. Baseball. There's, there's, the Cubs won one World Series, brother, in 100 My, years. Correct. My point is that it's so rare to win a World Series, especially being the Cincinnati Reds, who respectfully, I'm going to say this with love and respect, they've been a failure for the past 20 years. But you're giving so me I, a 90-plus win team for 10 years. What's the over under on that, brother? You, 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 you're going to give me that? You, you can't. No. You can't play. See, this is. I'm not playing both sides. I'm not playing both sides. You guys both sides. I'm not playing both sides. I'm not playing both sides. But I'm saying you're telling me that the chances of having a World Series team is so slow that you're going to take the World Series guaranteed. What I'm telling you is, what's a lower chance? What's a? I'll tell you this. What do you think the even odds are? This are uh, having a team that wins 90 plus games for 10 straight seasons or winning a World Series in the next 10 years. Which one do you think is more likely to happen? Neither one. Well, I'm uh, saying if you had to put them neck and neck, which one do you think is more likely to happen? If it's a big market team, you go 90 wins. But, I mean, I, if, it, if it's a small market team, I, it, it just depends. It depends on the franchise. And right now the Reds have a significantly lower chance for both of those things. It's almost impossible so for a small market team to do it. So is this a political answer? You don't want to answer it? Or you, or you, don't, you, no, don't, I, you don't want to say the 90 plus? Or what is it? I'm, I'm just curious. No. I, we get I, back on track. 90 wins would be, yeah, it would be uh, not feasible to do for 10 straight years. More unlikely than winning a World Series, yes or no? Yeah. Thank you. All right, Tom. Okay. I, 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 I yarn, whatever. All right, we call. got 20 minutes left in the program. Uh, Let's tomorrow, get back to Ohio State. Tomorrow, no, you know, tomorrow we're going to spend because we have our picks that we do. Um, we have our picks that we do uh, and all that kind of thing. And, and the college football playoff ranking will come out tomorrow night. We'll really break down the whole college thing tomorrow because this is something that, that I think everybody really needs to think out when you look at the games in the landscape this coming weekend and where everybody is. The college football playoff is going to come out tomorrow night. And the top four for the first time all year long since it started seven or eight weeks ago is going to be undisputed because you have four undefeated teams. Okay? And of those four, Georgia plays Alabama, a one-loss team. Michigan plays Iowa, uh, a two- or three-loss team, whatever they are. But they're two, huge favorites. Two, two. All right. You've got uh, Washington trying to beat Oregon, who's ranked – Fifth for a second time this year in the Pac-12 championship game, the final ever Pac-12 championship game, and or as we know it anyway. And then you have Florida State, who is going to play Louisville. Florida State without their quarterback. They looked pretty good the other day. They didn't look great, but on defense they looked good. Uh, and they're going to play Louisville, who had lost one time all year long, including drilling Notre Dame. Um, Satterfield. And, and, you know, then they lose to Kentucky over the weekend. They blow a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. But do people believe Louisville has a chance to win that game? Yes, they do. They believe Louisville has a chance. After that, you go to one-loss teams. And in order of ranking, they read as follows. Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, Alabama. The only one of those teams who will not play this weekend is Ohio State. We mentioned Oregon in the Pac-12 final game. Texas plays Oklahoma State. 
in the Big 12 title game, and we mentioned Alabama gets a crack at number one Georgia in the SEC championship game. So, you know, there are all kinds of arteries off this with all of us are going to have our acts together tomorrow to really lay it out and kind of see how you have it played out. You can do that ESPN playoff chances thing, whatever it might be. And, and it's a fun thing to do and play around a little bit. Um, but, you know, we've seen some really weird things happen the last few years. Really weird. I mean, when Ohio State lost to Michigan last year, nobody thought Ohio State was getting in, even though many people thought they were without a doubt one of the top four teams in the country. They got in, and they were a missed field goal away from beating Georgia in the semis, which probably meant they'd have won the final against TCU. So, you just, you don't know. The whole Texas-Alabama thing, right? Texas's best win is against Alabama. But what if Alabama beats Georgia? Does Alabama deserve to go in ahead of Texas, who beat them during the year? You know, what about Oregon? Now, if they avenge their only loss of the season to Washington, who will be a third-ranked team, Oregon hasn't beaten anybody. I mean, for all the talk of the Pac-12 early in the year, it once again is, is not a good conference. They're a lot like the Big Ten and the SEC. They got two teams. It's basically what they are. It's a two-team league. And you got two of them in the top five right now in Oregon and, and Washington. But their best win is against Oregon State. Now, if they win that game, they beat a number three team. But does that mean as a Pac-12 conference champion that they would go in over Ohio State? That's why tomorrow night's rankings, and we'll get into this tomorrow, mm -hmm. is going to be fascinating to see where Ohio State is in relation to Oregon tomorrow night. I think it's really going to be interesting. But anyway, all right. What did I miss? Oh, yeah. Reed oh, Mouse? Yeah. Haven't gotten to this. We're yet. ready yeah. to go. We yeah, got our last 15 minutes of what did I miss yesterday. Yeah, so I... <laughs> What I saw, I guess, is, is the better way. I, I'm, I'm sure most of you guys saw this. I was actually doing the, the Bengals postgame show and was sitting there uh, as I was doing it, watching the end of the, the Jags-Texans game. And I'm a, I'm a Jags homer, I guess. I, I think I believe that they're a very good team. I think a lot of people around say that they're not very good. I don't know why you would think that. I know they started one and two, but they've been pretty damn good since then. Um, I saw they had a 10-point lead or a two-possession two lead in the fourth quarter. I'm like, ah, the Jags won again. Then the, the Texans, who everyone wanted to crown them champions after they beat the Bengals, um, started coming back, and they're, they're a good team. They might make the postseason. But they had a 58-yard chance to, to tie it up oh. in just the most crazy way. Can you imagine being a diehard Texans fan, spending your hard-earned cash to go to this game, this division game? You got Armadillo kicking a 58-yard field goal here and just doink! Oh, right man. off, right off the crossbar, <laughs> off the crossbar, Tom. Ah, oh, man, just you could feel the the wind get taken out of the sails of the Texans. That's what I saw. I mean, that guy's. That's all you can do. That guy right there is exactly all you can do as a Texans fan is you just giggle, just like when the Bears won 13 games. They get in the postseason. They're gonna win a wild card game if they can just kick a field goal. And once it do, it hits off not once but twice off the uprights. Look at this. The old double doink. Game of inches. Boom. You tell me. Boom. 
All right, that's what I saw. Okay. That's what I missed. That was a heartbreaker. By the way, if the season ended right now, stupid thing to say, but it's true. Indianapolis would get the final spot in the AFC playoffs because at least right now in a head-to-head meeting, they have beaten Houston the only time they've played them. They will Mm. play them again. All right, who's next up? Trace or is it Elliott? Trace. Trace. Trace Fowler, what did I miss? Well, you probably didn't miss it, but I don't know – uh, if this ever happened before, but social media has certainly changed the changed the game when it comes to coaching searches. As we all know, we we have these uh, these committees that are put together. There's these national coaching searches, and Texas A&M over the weekend was rumored to have uh, Mr. Stoops from Kentucky as their next head football coach, which I thought would have been a fantastic hire. But certainly, the rest of Texas A&M's fan base was not happy about that, and it was all over social media. Might I remind you that this happened one other time. With the Tennessee Volunteers, uh, they decided they did not want Greg Schiano, so they went up and they revolted. Greg Schiano, pretty good football coach. Turns out Tennessee hasn't done anything since. Texas A&M, who did they go out and find? They found oh, the Duke head coach Elko. Could you imagine in a world where you basically are running a program that has millions and millions and millions of dollars tied to it, and your little small group of people think you have your guy? Got stoops. Obviously, this has been communicated at great length. You put it on the internet, and just coincidentally, hell breaks loose. And then all of a sudden, Mark Stoops comes out and says he loves Kentucky. After their win against Louisville, he had a a change of heart. He wants to stay there. No. What happened was is they got bullied out of getting the job, which is crazy, Tom. I, I just can't imagine having a... A, a legitimate job where it's your specific job to go out and find a head football coach and you let the internet change your mind on it, which is exactly what happened at AM. And they go out and they get Duke's head coach, who everyone wants to rant and rave about how great he is, and he might be great. But without a quarterback, and maybe this goes back to Reed's point, but without a quarterback, what has this guy done? Mark Stoops has done an elite job in the SEC at a school that has never had a chance in football. And he's not really had a quarterback outside of, you could say, Will Levis, Will Levis that has carried him. But he's done it without Will Levis, too. So, I don't know. We'll see how it all goes. But it's a wild time in college football. I also want to say, before tomorrow, Ryan Day, there's zero chance he's going to get fired. He shouldn't get fired. I know we haven't talked about that a whole lot. He's but Ryan Day is a hell of a football fired. coach. Tomorrow is our big college football he's day tomorrow. All right, Elliot. All right, so I watched it. It was probably the best game in NFL history yesterday. It took place. When, when our forefathers, and I told this to read earlier in the show, when our forefathers invented this great sport, they imagined the Patriots versus Giants yesterday afternoon. <laughs> the final score was 10-7. to 7. The Giants won the game. And this was just uh, the second interception of Mac Jones. They were switching between him and the other bum they have over there. Who's the backup? He's just as bad. Bailey Zappi. Zappi. Bailey Zappi. They've got two quarterbacks, but each worse than the next. This was just another one of them. I mean, it's just a disaster what's happening in New England. It a really fall is. From, a fall from grace, Bill Belichick. He was, he's, uh, he's always been snippy with the media yesterday. He was even more snippy. He left the conference or the press conference mid-question. Somebody was in the middle of a question, just walked out. Uh, it, it, it's sad. I've got a little stat for you, though. Mac Jones's passer rating is 27.8. If he were 0 for 21 with all 21 passes – spiked directly into the ground, it would be higher than it was yesterday afternoon. 
That's, that's, that's where they are in New England. If Mac Jones went 0 for 21 with all 21 passes spiked directly into the ground, he would have had a higher QBR than he finished with yesterday. That's, that's, that's the cool. New England Patriots for you. Talk cool. about a team that we, we were talking about teams that would take Justin Fields. They'd take Justin Fields. They'd take anybody. Mm-hmm. They'd take me out there in the, with the Patriot uniform. My God, what a disaster. Well put. Casey? Yeah, my uh, what am I missed? It's short, sweet. There was a NFL record broken over uh, the Thanksgiving holidays. Yes, there was. And uh, I just wanted to show it because we actually did um, – we, we showcased the other four picks that he had. This is his fifth one. This is the record-setting one. Many of you probably turned off the TV because it was a blowout. But, I mean, look at that. I mean, he shakes loose, breaks a few tackles – Gets in the end zone. Congrats to Ron Bland. I think you're probably the front runner for Defensive Player of the Year. So congrats to you. Wow. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Mind is, uh, you didn't miss it. So I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I, I just still can't believe it happened because I watch it happen in person. I don't know if you guys did. Not in person. I mean, I, wa- I watch it while it happened live. It, it is I cannot believe what happened in the Alabama game. I, I just can't believe it. Even for a dummy like me, I've been around enough smart football guys to, to, to at least remember that old adage, never deeper than your deepest, right? It's fourth and goal from the 31-yard line. And look at this. Forever to throw it, nobody rushing the passer. People stand around, watch him. And look at this. He scores a touchdown. Deeper than your deepest. It's the most unbelievable ending of a game I have ever seen. When when you really take into account whatever the odds would have been, and that would have been, by the way, a touchdown in the NFL. This kid, Mm -hmm. Bond, got both feet in. Um, What are the odds of you throwing a touchdown fourth and goal at the 31-yard line? Point zero one. Is that what it was? Yes. And, the, and the only reason that there's a point zero one is because sometimes the ball will get tipped up in the air. Never could a guy just catch it outright like that and get both feet in bounds. That's that's impossible. That's a, that's an anomaly. What you I, I watched that live. It was I again. I'm not gonna. This isn't a shtick. I did take Auburn money line. I didn't put a lot on it, but I, I sprinkled live Auburn money line at some point in the little sprinkle sprinkle uh, during that game. So I did. I was cheering for Auburn at the end. And I said, fourth and 31, this game's over. It's cooked. There's no chance. Count your money. The guy was wide. I mean, he was essentially wide open. The, the defender didn't put his arms up. So I, that, it, one of the – a lot of people are saying it's the Milrow miracle. Which, which one do you think – which one's more preposterous, that one or the kick six? I think that one. You think that one's more – Isn't that crazier than the kick six? I do. I kind of agree. I think that one's – I think that – the other one was awesome. The other one was is, is one of my one, favorite college football memories that's, ever. That's a sports moment you you will never forget. That's right. No. Uh, this one, saying all that, that's more impossible than returning a, a field goal for, for a touchdown. I, I, I really believe that. Well, Fourth and 31 with no zero, chance. Point zero something. Yeah. They're both. They're, there's no doubt about it. And, and that, as Kenny Rogers said, you never count your money while you're sitting at the table. Mm. That's right. Mm. Speaking of gambling, have you seen what could be NFL history tonight? No. Oh, oh, oh. Now, I can't believe oh. I'm the only non-gambler in the room. And I have this savvy stat for you. Ooh. 
NFL betting history can be made tonight on Monday Night Football if the Vikings can cover the three-point spread as a favorite over the Chicago Bears. Favorites have covered 12 of the 15 NFL games this weekend. Never. The, the, the record in a single weekend was this weekend and 2017. 12 favorites covered. Tonight could be a 13th. That, How you know, many did you have? You know what that means? Who, I, who are the dogs that won? The Bills covered. The Bills, right? The Bills. Well, the Bills is a push. Oh, was it a push? I thought it was four. The Green Bay Packers. Packers. Okay, the Packers beat the Lions. The Giants. So they were a big spread there, right? Right. Uh, let's see. The Giants. You had, uh, yep. I know all the favorites won on. on the uh, Giants and the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. That means that means Vegas had a really bad week. That means the that yeah, means but what, that what means does that book? mean for you guys? That's what I mean. I don't give a I, damn I, about I, I, what I Vegas very, did. I had a very productive Sunday. I, I, I called the Giants game. I had the Ravens game uh, predicted. Uh, what was the other one? Um, I really uh, thought the, I, I really thought the Bills were going to beat the Eagles. I really thought they were. Gonna I thought the they Eagles. would too. I, but I didn't bet that one. I knew not to bet that one. Oh, and I had the Jaguars. I was heavy on the Jaguars. So I did okay. I did good. Okay, Reed, do you have the sprinkle? Uh, no, I, sprinkle I, or no, no? I was in. I was in the Florida. Uh, so you were out. Yeah, they don't. They don't have it down there. Okay. Any of you guys in, out, good, bad? I put a pretty sizable wager on Ohio State um, after they were down fourteen to three. So it worked out for me. Yeah. Wow. I I I I I know people are gonna think that um I usually am kind of Ohio State anti Ohio State. Like I said, my mind's changed a lot since since the whole uh, situations changed with Georgia, et cetera. Um. I think they played that game ten times. They split five and five. I think you're right, but that's not how it goes. So nope, those, are, those are two of the best four teams. In yeah, I mean they—they they really that. were. In, in all honesty, they—they they can't do this, but I wish they would just let Alabama, Georgia, <laughs> Michigan, and Ohio State play in the college football playoff. I know they can't. I know they can't do that, but I wish they could. Well, because as a guy who doesn't have a team, a, a, a single team in the race, yeah. I just want to see the best games, and those would be the best games. Yeah, I know. I know we're going to talk about college football a lot. Um, but the one thought I had over the weekend about college football is that all of these 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 teams that are lower tier, the Washingtons of the world, the UCFs of the world, that they're always screaming like, "Oh, you got to give us a chance. We should be in this 12-team playoff." They better be careful what they're wishing for, because when you let the Ohio States, like if Georgia were to lose this weekend on a field goal to Alabama, and you got Texas, little little old Texas in the Big 12, sitting there screaming and yelling that you know they should be in, that's fine. Well, when it's 12 teams and you actually got to play the games. And you got Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, and Alabama, all of those in the playoffs. Be careful what you wish for, because you might want yeah. them to eliminate each other sometimes, and they have been doing that in the past. Good can't, luck. Good luck uh, moving forward for for the Washingtons of the world. And they yep. play home games too. Can you imagine being like UC when they were number four and they get a home game at Nippert against Ohio State? Yeah. <laughs> it's well, just like be fun. That's what well, I'm good luck. The thing is Ohio State would never take Reed's offer just to have the committee just put him in just because they want to earn it. That's why they hired the That's private true. investigator That's to true. Michigan. That's, That's why true. they they That's suspended true. Harbaugh. They wanted Michigan to earn that win and that's what they did. Casey, Michigan did you win kicked their ass and it wasn't close. Casey, did you win any what money? Uh, no, I've actually been saving my money for the holidays. Nice. So I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to waste it on on uh, losing. What a loser. So. Okay. 
Do we have a uh, cherry on top or no? Today? Cherry on top, I think I think it's collectively it's the Ohio State game, I would say. I would say that was the cherry on top. Why don't you try that, that pouch of sour candy there, Tom? No, no. This might be dangerous, no, Tom. I'm not doing that. Please do it. Please I'm do it. I'm not doing it. I, 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 I gave it its due credit on the show. Uh, that, no, no, no. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Um, so tomorrow, I'm hoping we finally can get uh, Tim McGee to come back and join us because uh, he has been – he had multiple back surgeries. He has oh, been man. down and out for a while. I'm hoping we can get him to come on and join us. Uh, we will talk a lot about this whole college football playoff thing and where it's all going ahead of the rankings coming out tomorrow night. want to thank everybody again for yesterday. Uh, it was a great time. Thank Drew Garrison for today. Awesome. He's already all over social media, <laughs> posting it everywhere uh, that he was on the show today. And we loved having him, and we will have him Casey, are you okay? All things considered. This has been, <laughs> this has really been a very, very difficult fall for you. And I just want to make sure that you are okay before we say goodbye today. Tom, my, my uh, depressive state was last week. The Ravens, they, they killed me. I, I'm already, I'm over it. I've already gone through my stages of grief. Acceptance. I'm, I'm already there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Drew had the line of the show, and so maybe that one right there. <laughs> That's a great. He's on what's, it. What's it's it say? It. What's it say about this city that we? Uh, it's it's the Monday after NFL Sunday. It's Monday after the Ohio State Michigan game, and we spent like thirty five minutes on on the Reds uh, off season. That's right. That's <laughs> baseball right. town. It's a baseball <laughs> town. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. I was, we were down there at the banks yesterday. I mean, all the, the, the signs, the billboards up there on the Reds, on Great American Ballpark about the opening day tickets right. when they're going on sale yeah, and all sure that. Hey, we're thinking ahead of the curve here on the program. Okay, we thank everybody involved. Gentlemen, have a good – is Box Lunch coming box up? Box Lunch coming up. Yep, yep, Who yep. is the official host today? Mondays, it's Rita Root. Rita Root. Rita Root. Rita Root. Okay, fair enough. Uh, hope all of you have a great rest of your day. We'll look forward to catching up with you tomorrow. Box lunch. Here we go. I must admit, I didn't think much of this show the first time I laid eyes on it. Seemed like a bunch of stiffs wasting nice the worst microphones. Trade of all time. Happened back in 1803. Go ahead. Napoleon Bonaparte traded the Louisiana Purchase for $3 million. Napoleon, what happened? <laughs> Half the country for $3 million. You can't even get Tucker Barnhart for $3 million. Then I came to realize anymore. these guys are funny. And Justin Fields have identical stats the last five weeks about throwing the football. This guy, okay, and folks, is a some fidget of the best spare. gamblers I've come to know. If you're betting on USC and or TCU, let it be known, you are a square. TCU is going to hammer this team tomorrow night. I hate to hear that. Tomorrow when we afternoon. come back in here on Monday, you're going to be happy as a lark because USC lost, but you're going to be wrong about TCU. Get ready for the most useless hour of your day. It's time for Boxed Lunch. Presented by Bet Fred Sportsbook. Now, Casey, run that track.
the work conditions in this studio are just just crazy. Tom's making us giggle right before we go on air. I mean, how, how are you supposed to do a serious show? But this is Box Lunch presented by Betfred Sportsbook. I'm Reed Mouse. I get the duty of hosting on Mondays. Elliot gets Wednesdays. Casey gets Fridays. We divvy it up. We divvy it up, and we're giving it to you guys. And it's a, it's a depressing state of affairs here in Cincinnati at this very moment. Even when we were down at the banks yesterday doing the live show, there was still some spirits high, but it just didn't feel right and it could have been because it was raining could have been because it was cold but i think we all know what it really was is because we know that the Bengals season as tom would say is d-u-n done it's done it was done before yesterday you held on a, a just a sliver of hope that maybe maybe this team can scheme up a win maybe this team can keep it just alive and if they make it into the postseason you don't have really any expectations if they get there but at least you're there and you get to have fun and you get to enjoy watching your team for the next seven Sundays, but we sat there, we watched them, and it was about what you expected. It really was. Like I said, you held out hope. You saw some some athleticism from Jake Browning against the Ravens, and you thought, hey, maybe these, they're going to run some option plays. Maybe they'll design some cool plays for Jake Browning. All right, well, let's get Joe Mixon involved. Let's run the ball a lot. Let's try to, you know, as I keep saying, muddy up this game. Can they muddy up a game and beat the Steelers? Nope. Can they get Kenny Pickett to look like Kenny Pickett? Not really. 270 yards. It's the second most passing yards he's had in a game. And the only other time that he's surpassed that, he threw 55 times, not 33. So you look at this team and the Bengals just, they're done. They're done for the year. And you know what? It's okay. It really is okay. Because after Joe Burrow went down, like I said, you didn't have really any real high expectations. You just kind of wanted to have a watchable product for the rest of the Sundays going this year. And, you know, they, it was a one-score game midway through the fourth quarter. But they really never had a shot. Really didn't. They took the lead into the second half. But after the Steelers took, the, took it back, all right, this one's over. This one's over. So we're... Do they go from here? Because that was the last chance that the Bengals had at really getting any sort of positive momentum for the rest of the season. I think that if you want to find solace in something, as as Elliot laughs because of because of Trace's uh, bit about solace and and favor being favored over the Arizona Cardinals, I, I took I took solace in the fact that you're gonna get to see some guys and and see what you have. Like a Miles Murphy who had his first ever sack. I know he he's a little banged up right now. Hopefully he's not seriously hurt. Hopefully he gets to play for the rest of the year. Um, I would like to see what we have with Miles Murphy. I would like to see what we have, quite honestly, with Chase Brown and Travion Williams. I'd like to see what we have there. I would like to see what we have really everywhere on the team. I want to see guys that wouldn't get looks if we were in a playoff chase get more time out on the field. I'm done with the Nick Scott thing. Them even splitting time at this point makes no sense. So you play the other safety. You get some guys in cornerback, but that's really what all you can do is, is just looking at the hand that you're going to be dealt going forward. The cards are out. And, it, and it's just not good. And the biggest thing for me that, that I take away, I, I know everyone bags and bags on the offense, and I understand it. Tom constantly brings up 20 points a game. I think that those numbers are skewed because, yeah, there was a banged-up Joe Burrow, and I know I was, I was berated 
for saying that in the five weeks when, when the Bengals were playing well, they averaged like 25 points a game, and I know some were on defense. But still, that was good for top five in the NFL. The offense doesn't look to be firing on all cylinders, and it really hasn't. And, and, and now we kinda, we're kind of starting to see the reasonings why, and, it's, and it, it validates what other people have been saying, that it, it wasn't necessarily a, a Joe problem, as some people would lead you to believe. And, and he didn't play great at all times, but it's just this team doesn't have it. It, 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 right? Whether it's the play call, they, they've obviously got a tremendous talent on the perimeter. They've obviously got tremendous talent at quarterback, but still there's just something missing on the offensive side. But that's that's neither here nor there because I truly believe when Joe Burrow comes back next year, this offense is still going to be good. It's the defense that gets me, that keeps me up at night. It's the defense, and, and I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how you even begin to change it. Because I look at this defense. Do you want to stop playing Trey Henderson? Of course not. Sam Hubbard? Of course not. DJ Reader? Of course not. Yeah, there's there's a question mark on that secondary inf- in, um, interior defender on the line. But is that the reason they're giving up 450 yards a game? What are we talking about? All right, Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt. Those two, I don't have the stats in front of me, but they've got to be near the, the top of the NFL and in, in generating turnovers. Logan Wilson, I think, has four interceptions. Jermaine Pratt has forced a lot of fumbles. But even despite that, they don't look that good. But still, are you ready to move off them? I'm not. Because they've had success here over the past few years. I want to see them play. And then they're already locked up. Okay. Cam Taylor Britt, who's hurt now. He is blossoming into a star before our eyes. So he's good. Awuzie, who's been a very solid cornerback. Casey, forgive me. Um, what are the other cornerbacks that were the point is i guess is i look at this defense and i made it off the bench i look at this defense and i don't know what you fix right when you get home and there's a hole in your wall you get some patches out and you fix the drywall i don't know where the hole is yeah i see nick scott sucks yeah i know that the the interior defensive line is is getting older but those aren't gaping holes. I'll take you back to when the Bengals had the worst defense in the league back in 2019. Lou Anaruma, his first year as a defensive coordinator. The Bengals had the worst defense. And the, it was pretty clear what the problem was. They had no linebackers. Absolutely none. Zero. Zilch. And what they do? They get Joe Burrow in the first round. T. Higgins in the second round. Then their next four picks are all linebackers. And they hit on Logan Wilson, seemingly. But as I mentioned earlier, he hasn't stepped up. So I'm in this weird limbo when it comes to my Cincinnati Bengals fandom because the expectations are gone. I don't have anything. I just want to see them compete on a Sunday. And I'm not, I'm not, I know it makes way more sense. I know it makes way more sense to want the Bengals to lose out so that they get a higher draft pick. I get that. I get, I get the logic there. But as a fan, I just want to see them show up on a Sunday and, and, and play. That's what I want because – a tenth, the tenth overall pick doesn't do me much different than the fifteenth. I know you could say it's crazy, but I don't know. I we talked about status of what we saw from the game yesterday, Elliot. Where are you at with your Bengals fandom? We knew, I would say, pretty early on that this season wasn't going to be great. I would say there was always the glimmer of hope that we get to the playoffs and we make something happen right. come January. That's gone. That's completely evaporated. We have no hope. 
I would say losing out is not not a good thing. To get a top 10 pick, fine, whatever. Right. It makes more sense in terms of building a team in the future, right? Because you get the higher draft pick sure. for all seven rounds. I need to know my coach can coach. Right. And as of right now, he cannot coach. Right. I, you've seen it the last several years. You saw it against the Ravens when we lost in Baltimore. On, what was that? A Friday night or Sunday? It was either. It was a primetime game against the Ravens a couple years ago. Uh, or maybe it was last year. I don't know. I, I get the, football I, I get, last year. Yeah, I get all these games confused. The play calling wasn't good then. I, and there's spurts where, like, okay, you look at the 49ers. Yeah, that was a great game. That was a hell of a game. But there's so many games where the play calling just hasn't been good. The defense, yeah, it's been an issue. But we've allowed 20-plus points five times this year. Five times over 20. You're telling me we, we, we can't have a winning record? We can't score 21 points. Well, this is the thing about the defense is is they 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 don't break, right? Like, I, I get that. I, and right. I get it. If you're giving up those long drives where they're getting the first down every three plays, right, it's going to kill everything. So there is a point to that. But the defense, again, I would say they're not killing this team. I do think the offense has been the, prim the primary issue here. I think the offense not being able to score really? points has been a problem. Yeah, yeah, and I think to your point, seeing but Charles, they have an excuse is what I was I was I always sure pushing. sure. But at the end of the day, I don't know if you do. I don't know. There, there. To me, to not to be able to score twenty points in the NFL, even with an injured Joe Burrow, right? You still have everybody else healthy at the time. Now everybody's gone, but you still have you still have a healthy team at that point, relatively. Right. And I know the quarterback's the most important position. I'm not naive to that. But at the same point, the offense just hasn't been good all year. The play calling hasn't been good all year. For the first five weeks of the season, they refused to run anything under center. Was it because of Joe Burrow? Sure, it was. But to Trace's point earlier on, if you knew that was going to limit half the playbook, then he probably shouldn't have been out there. And that's a decision, again, that the coaches made. If, if Zach Taylor can't scrape together a couple wins here, the Steelers are 7-3. and three. They're not a good team. They're not. I, we can sit here and say whatever you want. They will not be playing in the AFC Championship game. I will bet every, any amount of money on it. Kenny Pickett is not a good quarterback. Yesterday, he was. He was good enough. It can't happen. We'll see what the Bengals are uh, come the last six weeks of this season. Because this is a disaster. If you lose out, you, ha you have to look at Zach Taylor. You have to. You have to have that conversation with him. And, and I know, I, I listen, I, I get it. He went to a Super Bowl. He's earned some credibility. Right. But it also goes to the point where we were talking about it a little bit on off the bench. How much does a World Series win give you as, as a franchise, right? If you win a World Series and you lose out the next five years, what do we have? You, you, have, you win 50 games the next five seasons. Are you happy? I don't know. Zach Taylor went to a Super Bowl, yeah. He went to another AFC Championship, within, AFC championship game the next year, yeah. Zach Taylor right now can't coach a team, and that's the issue. He can't call plays. Locker room guy, sure, A+. Culture's great. Culture's great. What does the culture do for you when, it comes to, when, when it's the end of the day? Do people want to be here more? Sure, yes. I think we were lacking a little bit of that when Marvin was here, and Vontez Perfect and Mike Brown still had all the control in the world. But right now, the Bengals are in a free fall, and, it, and they need to stop it. You need to scrape together a win. Scoring 10 points against the Steelers yesterday was an abomination. That felt like a 2019 game where the Bengals just were never ever in a game. They were just non-competitive. I mean, they led they at halftime, but yeah. Sure. They were playing a team that wasn't good. That's my point. I, you can, I mean, if they, if, they, if they played yesterday the, against any other team in the NFL, they lose by 30. 
They lose by 30 points outside of the Patriots, Steelers, Patriots, Panthers, and Giants. I mean, they're seven and four. I mean, let's not call. I mean, I get it. I get it. They're, they're the worst seven and four team in the league by they're not good. By, by significant state. They're not good, but they're still going to be nine and eight at the very least. Ten and seven. Like, they'll probably is... be. They'll probably have ten wins now. They're going to get a win against the Bengals later on. So yeah, they're probably going to win ten games. They're not good. You can have ten games, and, and I can say you're not good. I think that's fair because I don't think you're very good. I, at the end of the day, you have to score points to win. They don't score any points whatsoever. None. Yeah, they certainly don't. So to answer your original that's, question, that... answer your original question. I, my Bengals fandom is in is in a bad place. Well, that's well, that's why I'm not. You, you mentioned how the bang, the Steelers don't score points and stuff like that. That's why people, when I have talked about how the Bengals defense allowed Kenny Pickett to throw for 270 yards and it allowed the Steelers offense to get their first 400 yard game in four seasons, but yeah, they only give up 16 points. It's like yeah, but like you're seeing what I'm seeing, right? I guess I guess I'm I'm combating the defensive stand as I am the offensive stand because I, I I go to bat for this offense because I think when Joe Burrow was healthy this offense looked good. You said multiple times this year that the offense is the reason this team is successful. It's the reason that this team has been successful. It's the it's the priority of this team. Right. That's right. that's fair. Yeah. Right. So when you look at yesterday, they lost that game not because of the defense. They lost it because of the offense. I know that you're. you're both were bad. Both were bad. And that, that's, where, that's where I'm at. And, and, and this is where I'm going to get out my pom-poms. I'm going to get out my cheerleading skirt. And I'm going to say something that only a true Joe Burrow stand would even think of. And that is, you look at this team and, 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 and how, how good is nine? Because when he's gone, they looked completely inept across the board. Yeah, yeah. The defense was terrible. The offense wasn't very good. And all these things... I, I hear from the, the, the detractors, the Joe Burrow detractors, is, yeah, but, you know, this team's winning games. You get in the postseason, the defense is doing stuff. Yeah, 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 I get it, I get it. I get all the, like, all this logic that point, that people are making points, they all make sense in some capacity, right? That's why you make them. It's because you, if you make a point with, with absolutely zero logic, then, then you're just talking nonsense. But a lot of these points, they have logic behind them, and I get it, I understand it, all these things. I'm just saying, watch how bad this team gets. Without one guy out there. Watch how bad this team gets. And as for the the Zach Taylor stuff, and he's getting beat down and all this stuff, and I said last week, and I'm gonna stay hold, I'm gonna hold true for this, that I don't think Zach Taylor should lose his job regardless of what happens for the end of the year. If they lose out, he shouldn't be on the hot seat. Correct. I'm worried, I'm worried because everyone gives him credit for the the culture that he brings to a locker room. And I would be worried, I would be worried. That if you take him out of that, it can crumble down before your eyes. Now, if I think already we have learned that a change needs to be made in some capacity. I think a change needs to be made in some capacity, whether it be the offensive coordinator, um, someone in the locker room, something. Something needs to change. I'm not ready to have it be Zach. Because I think the team likes playing for Zach. I think, I think all these things. I think they, they really enjoy what he has built in there. But... <laughs> The chops aren't there, right? There's clearly, other than the culture stuff, the coaching chops aren't fully there. And maybe somebody else can build up. I just think that it's it, – it, maybe maybe I'm talking myself out of it right before your guys' very eyes. It's I was going to say maybe it's like can you build up a good enough coaching, assistant coaching staff around him to make him work, right? Let him just worry about just making sure these guys <laughs> like each other. 
This is it's, it's just it's, preposterous. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and that brings me to my next point is, based on what's happening up there in Michigan, Jim Harbaugh seemingly is going to be on the move, right? Like, I, I'm of the belief, and there's there's a bunch of varying opinions out there. And I can, I'm sorry, I can't read you guys' chats. I'm, I'm not in the, the chat today. Um, there's some varying opinions about Jim Harbaugh and what's going to happen to him up at Michigan. A lot of people think that he's going to be gone. A lot of people, and, and I fall into that camp, that there's going to be just such harsh um, sanctions from the NCAA that Jim Harbaugh is just going to be like, all right, I'm done. I can't, I, I'm, I'm going to have some losing seasons here. I'm going to get out of here. Why my, why my stock's as high as it can be. And you're looking at a guy that's been to a Super Bowl as a, as a NFL coach. You're looking at a guy that has won and a lot of, done a lot of winning everywhere he's gone. So if Jim Harbaugh is floated around as a coaching candidate, would, would you then be ready to go, all right, Zach, we thank you for your service, but there's bigger fish to fry. I do it tomorrow. Casey? For Jim? For Jim? For Harbaugh? Love and honor. Uh, I Because I had some time to, to prep for this honor, specific no. topic, I went ahead and looked up his record as a NFL head coach. He was there for four years, and they were very good. They went to the NFC Championship uh, two out of four. 13 and three starting off, yeah. 11, four and one, 12 and four, eight and eight with the San Francisco 49ers. And that was, and he went on to... that was a, a time where he led a, a team to the Super Bowl, um, lost barely to the Ravens. I say barely. I think they actually lost by a touchdown or so. But regardless, he got them to the Super Bowl. Team loved to play for him, um, had a great roster. I think if you're looking to replace what you're losing with Zach, which I don't know how much culture really has been affected there because you're not really losing much in terms of the, the play calling, um, Jim seems like a good idea. Seems like someone that players would rally around and get fired up to play for. Listen, this is – I mean, yeah, he seems like a good idea. Like this isn't, this isn't your typical coaching candidate. This is the best coaching candidate that's been available for years. Four years. You look at it, all of his four coaching stops, Casey. Yep. You look at all of his four coaching stops. He started at San Diego State. He was there for four years. That's their best four-year run since he's been there. You look at Stanford. Was there for four years. They had some success with, uh, God, what was the other guy's name? The coach that's still there. But it wasn't to the degree that, that Harbaugh had. Then he goes to 49ers. And they go to two NFC championship games, go to the Super Bowl. And now he's at Michigan, and they're doing stuff that they haven't done in 20-plus years. That is beat Ohio State. They're going to go um, seemingly to the college football playoff. I wonder if they already locked that up. Like, even if they lose the Big Ten championship, would they be out? They'd be out then. You think so? Well, it, I was ranked so? now. Is I was ranked now, I believe, right? Yeah. yeah they're 10-2. and two. I was 10-2. and two. They'd still be in. It'd be, it, would, it would take for almost the, the three teams behind them to all win. Like, it would take – They'd more than likely be in. Like, Michigan's got like a 90%, 95% chance probably to make the college football playoff. So they're going to be in again. But I don't this – is, this is my take on Jim Harbaugh. And I just said that I think he's the best coaching candidate that has come out in years. This sounds crazy, but I don't think he fits this. Like, I don't think he fit. Like, there's something about Jim as a Cincinnati Bengal, being the head coach of the Bengals. 
that just doesn't feel quite right. And maybe I, I wouldn't it be great if they got him and I, and I eat my words and he's, you know, a, a period of success for the Cincinnati Bengals that we never seen. That'd be great. I just, there's something about it that just doesn't sit right. It just doesn't feel quite right. And that's my whole thing on it. I just, I, I hope the Bengals don't, succumb to the fact well we don't Zach, really we don't really fire coaches right Zach Zach's not getting fired this year like, he will not. not he's not I'm I, I know that but I, I mean well, we're uh, arguing arguing the fact that they say that he's arguing that they should look at it they should consider it which they won't they I don't even think that's a thought in the back of their mind that they should fire Zach Taylor which they won't I think they should do something about the offensive coordinator, though. I mean, that's clear. There will be change. There, there has will to be, be some sort of change. If there's no change, then I'll ride in the streets. Like, if there's yeah. nothing, that, like, if we go into the next year with, with the same OC or Frank Pollock still there or it's literally the same coaching staff, then we have every right as Bengals fans to ride in the streets because there was definitely change that needs to happen. And I, I, I don't mean to bring David Bell into this, but everybody gets on David Bell's ass. For no reason, really, I would I would argue. Oh, he wasn't a very good coach. Well, he had a pretty dog shit team the past couple of years, right? This year, he, I'd argue he did great with seventy different players. At some point, the players have to play good. If the players don't play good, the coaches mean the offensive line. They're not bad because of the coaching. The offensive line's bad because they just suck. This season, our offensive line has been bad for what they're being paid. Bad. Mm -hmm. Defense, same thing. Bad. Now, I don't know where the disconnect... Our punter is atrocious. We didn't talk about that on the show. We have the worst punter in the fucking NFL. How embarrassing is that? We're not good. We're missing, we're missing the Super Bowl. We have the worst fucking punter in the world. I, you know how easy... I, again, I don't mean to diminish the job of a punter, but you got one pretty easy job. Yeah? You kick it downfield 50 yards and you do your best. He kicks it like... I, I, he just doesn't know how to punt. I mean, again, the players have to play good. So, again, not, not everything is on Zach Taylor. But we have a world-class offense that's putting up 16 a game. It's embarrassing. It's you miss something, someone, they did it when, when Joe Burrow got here. They started making changes all around the place. They changed the name of the stadium. They, they've done things that, that Mike Brown never did, his entire ownership group. We now have an indoor so practice. you're over Zach. You're over Zach. I'm over Zach because at some point, year after year after year, we're arguing about the same thing. Like, you don't even care what happens the last six games. You want him gone now. I want his play calling to stop. And I and here's where the disconnect is with the fan base. They're like, all right, well, if you're not going to call plays, you can just still be our head coach. You can just be the cheerleader over there. You can be the team mascot. I don't think that's how that conversation goes. I think they look at Zach Taylor. They say, all right, you're not calling plays anymore. And he goes, why the hell not? And then they're like, all right, well, I still want to call the plays. I'm the head coach. And then, and then, it, and then he gets fired. That's what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to look at the play calling. They're going to know it's a disaster because anybody with two eyes can see that the Bengals' offense has been a train wreck. They're going to look at all of this and say, Zach, you're done. You're not calling plays anymore. We'll find somebody else who can. I think that's what's going to happen. I think he's going to be upset. He's going to get fired. As for, I, we didn't touch on this in, in off the bench at all. Um, and I would like to take this. I talked about this on Chatterbox Bengals yesterday. Is I think that the most tired take that, that football fans have is that the play calling is bad. I think that's tired. I think that that is, because it's so ambiguous, right? It is such an ambiguous thing, and I think it comes from a place of, of not understanding that, uh, you know, and I brought this up, is if, if Jake Browning 
drops back for 33 of 41 plays yesterday, and the Bengals put up 24 points. Zach Taylor's a genius. It's the same play calling. It's just the execution on the other end of it. I think that when fans talk about play calling as, is the reason that this team isn't seen, I think it's tired. But yesterday was so... The game plan was so misguided. It doesn't make sense. So misguided that it just can't... It can't be... It just can't happen. It simply is that. It just can't happen. The fact that you know you're going in there with a backup quarterback. You know you're going in there with a, with a team that has struggled to find its identity running the ball. And still, you just drop back 31 times of the guy making his debut, his starting debut. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Zach Taylor after the game. That's life versus Pittsburgh. It's going to be tough sledding. We need more out of that. We have to do a better job managing the drives as we go, putting us in more advantageous situations. That's your job. The other thing that was said after the game, post the press conference, Jake Browning literally said, it would have been nice to have a good run game, but I don't make those calls. Not literally, but pretty much pretty much summed it up. That's exactly right, what he right, said. Right. It's, so it's, what, what, what are we doing? Eight, eight, eight times yesterday? If, if if we lo- I'm telling you right now if we lose out he's gone maybe maybe not no, maybe he's not, not he's literally may- not maybe maybe not immediately you're right he's but not. if we start out next season with that same 0 and four bullshit Joe Burrow's hurt or whatever the hell excuse we want to give him right he didn't play in the preseason he's not ready four weeks into the year I'm telling you there will be changes get an 0 and four schedule next year <laughs> or a four four that's play true. schedule the, the only way that you're going to lose Zach Taylor is if Joe he's- Burrow turns on him that that's you guys are I mean, right that, 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 that's he's never going to do if, that if, Zach, if Zach, Taylor, Burrow, Zach Taylor if, if, not if Joe Burrow at any point thinks that there's a there's a better option out there or he doesn't see eye to eye with Zach Taylor then then that's to Elliot's point put it this way if Joe Burrow walked in next week and told told Mike Brown like this guy right. is just not cutting it I, I, he, he's not good enough. He could get fired the end of the year. If Joe Burrow in three years tells Mike Brown that he still believes in him, like there's a chance he's still the coach. Like that's how much influence Joe Burrow has over this and franchise. You guys right, that, a, he's the most powerful man in the building. You don't think it's a possibility that this team starts to get frustrated and starts voicing No, they opinions? already have. That's what I'm saying. Jamar, Joe, Jamar Chase 100% is over it. You, even before, even before Joe Burrow was hurt, he was already somewhat towing that line. I don't, I don't know. I'm always effing open. Are we kidding? Then the very following week, they have a meeting, and then the next game, he's popping off because they're targeting him 15, 20 times a game. I don't know, guys. I mean, it's tough. I'm, I, I've been listening to you. I understand you guys all make valid points. Zach Taylor's got this team to a Super Bowl, and he's, he's got not. This no, team to listen, the AFC we all agree that he's literally. I think Elliott's the only one that thinks that he that he might be gone. If but he out. I don't. I'm, I don't think there's a chance in hell. But I also think like, what it what it. It's easy to play both sides of it, right? Like it's it's uh, the, the I guess the the quick analogy I'd use in college football would be like if I wanted to make a case for Georgia football to make the playoff, even if they lose on on, on an SEC championship game, I'm going to quickly immediately point to the fact they've not lost in whatever X many games. You could quickly turn around and say, well, who have they beaten this year? And what, what, what was it on the road or was it at home? Zach Taylor, same thing. Yes, he's done those things, but you could be like, what has Zach Taylor done in his career ever outside of what Joe Burrow's done? Nothing. It is it, it in the in the answer in the answer is genuinely nothing nothing you can't point back to what he did in college you can't point back to what he did in in, in with what you could say it was Sean McVay and and you know what I would even argue the the Sean McVay scheme really is it really is is a piece of shit without a great quarterback 
And maybe you can say that's the rest. Of, maybe you can say that case with, uh, about the lot of NFL, but you can't read. You can't do that because you can go. You can go and, and look at other teams that have won games. What about the Steelers? They're winning games, dude, with a terrible quarterback. Right. Terrible. A terrible quarterback. But it's the just, Browns are winning a game with a terrible quarterback. Right. The Tennessee Titans. You can do it have, without it. The it Tennessee just makes it a lot Titans easier. were the number one seed in the AFC with a horrible quarterback. Not horrible. He was, he was, I mean, he was bad. My point is, is you can't bad. keep hiding behind great quarterbacks and suggest to everyone that you're an offensive-minded savant. I don't if think that's any. Well, only, that's, well, that's that's the thing. That's the disconnect here. Is I don't think anybody in this city. I don't think anybody outside of this city thinks that Zach Taylor's some mastermind. So he has to give up the play calling, right? And that's what we're saying. Well, then, then but he's my, the head coach. Yeah. He, so he, he, at some point, you're the decision that point, maker. Right? That's what. That's that's my whole point. My whole point is that that conversation is going to happen. I promise you. Somebody up there, somebody, Elizabeth, somebody is going to come at him and say, your okay. play calling's not going to work. Everybody knows it. It's objective. It's, it's, it's not an opinion. It's objective. You have to give up play calling. The head coach of an NFL team is not going to take kindly to that. I promise you. Take away your term. I would, I see, when you say play calling, I think it triggers read and read is right. A lot of people that bitch about play calling. It's a terrible. It's it's really a bad take it's a because it's a tired take. because it's not. It's 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 that's too easy of a take. Right. I would more or less say instead of say play calling, I would say your offensive scheme as a whole, like your philosophy on how you go about scoring points. Because if you look at the way that Kyle Shanahan's of the world find ways to get their guys open and things of that nature, that is a much different way of just saying, oh, you need to call that play differently, this play differently. You need to find a way to utilize your talent to its highest degree in football in my opinion, is the, the game that gives you the best chance of making an impact as a coach. Baseball, again, I'm not trying to suggest that you, your analogy with David Bell and I, okay? Listen, baseball, if you're a high school baseball coach, you have the least control of, of all of them. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't make a difference, but you have a, you, you, you could be a high school basketball coach, high school football coach, and a, and, and, and a high school baseball coach. And the baseball coach, inevitably, is the one that has the least advantage of being able to help guys out when they're out there. You can schematically help your team in football. Does it make the ultimate end of the world difference? No, because you're going to find out at the end of the year you have to have a good quarterback to win the Super Bowl, which is what Reed always argues, and he's right. Yeah. But to sit here and suggest that they don't win, a, they, they win one or two games the rest of the season, that is a direct reflection on what Casey said all along. Zach Taylor has got to find a way to be better schematically. That's what you mean when you Correct. say play calling. And that's what I would argue. But do you think this gets better? Do you're you, losing Tyler Boyd. You're losing T. Higgins. You're losing Joe Mixon. The Bengals have clearly expressed that we don't have a backup running back. Not worried about Joe Mixon. That's, that's, that's obvious now. Not worried about losing the running back. The ba that's fine. You can say that. We rushed eight, eight times with an all-pro. Not having a running game matters. Not having a running game matters. Right. And you I saw it yesterday. I don't think it's Joe that's the reason. I don't think it's – But we don't I have don't a back – Reed, we don't have a backup running back. Right? Well, they're just not – you never see him because they don't run the ball. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it's it's not it's not that we don't have one. They just don't they just don't have it. I truly believe that if Chase Brown or Travion Williams were the running backs for the Baltimore Ravens or the Cleveland Browns, they'd be pretty good. Them not being in the game yesterday speaks volumes. Them rushing the ball eight times right. yesterday it's speaks volumes. It's just the volumes. team. That, that's what I'm talking about. We're we're all talking but about the same Zach thing. But that's Zach Taylor. That's still Zach Taylor. And I seriously believe I'm I'm worried. Well, first off, I I, I don't think. Let me say this out loud. There's no chance in hell Zach Taylor is going to be fired. 
Unless unless the the scenario that Trace brings up, like Joe walks in there and goes like, yeah, we got to do something here. That's the only scenario in which it happens. Even if they lose out, it's not going to happen. So I don't want to talk about that. If you want to talk about the merits of whether he should be fired or not, sure, we can we can open up that can of worms. But we, the, 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 then the debate of him... Some, something needs to change. And, and you're saying, your, your point is that if they walk in there and say, hey, you're not allowed to call him plays anymore... That, that, that situ- and that's, you're, saying, I think you're, that's, saying, you're saying he's going to be like, well, I don't want to coach anymore. I don't think Zach Taylor would do that. I think that scenario that you just said there is as, as much preposterous as me saying he should be fired. At no point is anybody going to tell that man that he can't call the plays. He is the head coach of an NFL football team. If you have to have that decision, isn't that a red flag in itself? Well, here's what's going to happen. Is they're going to, they're going to sit down in, in your scenario. It's not that they're just going to be like, I, I, maybe Zach Taylor has more pride than I perceive him of having, but they're going to sit him down and say, Hey, you can't call plays anymore. And he's going to go like, well, then I don't want to be a coach. And they're like, all right, well, you're not going to be the coach. And then, or the other way it'd go is, Hey, you can't call plays anymore. He's like, well, I'm the head coach. It's like, well, you got two options here. You can continue being the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals who have a generational talent at quarterback and you can keep making a legacy that way. Or you, you can find yourself the door. You're looking at it with Brandon Staley. You're looking at you're looking at what's happening when a coach refuses to change what he's done. And I'm telling you right now, Staley's going to lose his job. Staley's going to lose his job. It's the same thing, though. He, he's kept control of the defense. They've been a joke. He's kept control of that team. It's been a joke. That was never a good hire in the first place because they had a young quarterback. No, correct. So you, sh- you should never hire a defensive-minded coach for a young quarterback. You just shouldn't do it. But... Yeah, I, 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 and then that, the, the difference is between the Brandon Staley and Zach Taylor thing is, is Brandon Staley's had no success. None, and I agree. That's that's right, a that's fair point difference. to Zach. At some point, well, you if, have... the, if Staley's defense was really good, then I would say that that would have helped Herbert out a lot. So I don't know if I would say that they you can't hire a defensive minded coach. It hasn't. I mean, c- can you think of a time in the modern era? Well, I'm of football? Saying, like, I mean, I know this is going to be terrible, and I'm going to use the I'm going to spin around and Belichick or what? Yeah, I mean, why not? You but that was 25 years ago. He was hired 25 years ago. I'm saying well, the, I'm modern saying, era, like, the modern the modern era of football. It hasn't worked. Not not I, not even like once. Like you you talk about all the the, the savants, the the great the the guys that coach that that are. Often, Matt thought, Cam- uh, who's the guy in Detroit? He's doing a pretty yeah, decent Dan job. Campbell. He Dan was Campbell? a he was a tight end though. For yeah, he's an offensive you know, guy. He was an offensive. He's an offensive minded guy. All right, fair. I'm not going to argue that because I don't think they're. The, I don't think Kyle Shanahan, I don't think McVay, right now the, the the flavor of the month in the NFL is to go get one yeah. of these little it, pretty little young white right, boys. Yeah, right, yeah. right. How so successful has it really been? That was started by Sean McVay. That that for for what it's worth, other than Sean McVay, hasn't worked out. It's worked without Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel. That's right. But that's that's another thing. That's that's an offensive minded guy. For a young quarterback, that's the recipe. Fair. The only pushback I'd have right now on this whole firing, non-firing, blah, 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 is that I don't know how much you guys value or how much you think Jamar Chase matters, but Jamar Chase could, could flip this on its head too because yeah. I don't mean I don't want to sit here and like uh, be the Mr. Troll guy, but and maybe you can say this is sports talk or not. I don't know, but it is kind of fun sports talk. You, you you still got to sign like you still got to right. you, you, you still, still got to extend Jamar Chase and if Jamar Chase is looking around at the building and thinking like this fucking place is fucked we got a bunch of fucking idiots like we're 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 not getting me the ball we run the ball eight times we got a backup fucking yeah. quarterback who sucks ass at practice yeah. and next thing you know we're fucking yeah. running all these bullshit plays looks at like Kansas then, and, City and goes mm, Patrick Mahomes really needs a, a receiver or not even I just mean, that I but I'm just saying in general he's he goes to Joe and says Joe I I am not resigning here. I want to play with you, but I'm not resigning here with this with these guys. Uh, now, then you got then you got a little bit of like how much does Joe value Jamar? That's when it can kind of 
start to turn, not ugly for Zach, but that's where Zach could lose his credibility in a way. So I don't, that it, it was shitty to sound that the asylum is ran by the inmates or whatever you want to call it. Right. But the truth is, is that Joe, Bur Joe, Burrow, Joe Burrow is the most powerful Joe guy Burrow in, that, can make the in that building. He's more, to. he's more powerful than Mike Brown. You might, you might think that I'm crazy for saying that. No, <laughs> I agree with that. No, he is, he is more 100%. powerful than Mike Brown. Cause he can turn an entire fan base on one guy. Like he, he, he doesn't have the overall say, right? But his opinion Yep. Is much more valued than anything else. Look at what That's he's true. look at what he's covered up here. I mean, that take that you that you had and Tom probably had earlier on in the year. Why are you paying this guy two hundred seventy five million? You're taking a look at why you pay that guy. Are you sure million. though? Like that's I, my only thing. That's what. Well, uh, well, no, but we can figure this out the, the rest of six weeks. That's right, why. He's I, hurt, he's no, hurt. I yeah. think that's bullshit because you guys are sitting here acting like the same. This team was the same team as last year, and that's just not true, guys. Well, what I'm saying, well, that's not true. It's you're not right. true. You're, you're not you can wrong, take wrong Joe Burrow that. his same play that he had last year and just directly. Put it into this year, and I don't think this team is as so, good. So here's They're the just thing. not. So here's the thing: is we've had we've had now three through eleven weeks. We've had three seasons in, in, in essence, right? We've <laughs> yes. had the first four weeks where Joe Burrow wasn't healthy, and they looked terrible, right? One and three. Then he plays healthy. They go four and one. What do you know? And then he gets hurt, and Jake Browning plays two games, and they they lose two in a row. So that's that's where we're at. Is it? When Joe has been healthy, this says, team has been fantastic. Am I allowed to be the guy that says two of those wins? I mean, you played the Cardinals and you played the Seahawks. Seahawks and the Seahawks, and the Seahawks you can say whatever you want. They're going to be a playoff it took team. A, it, took, it took every fucking thing imaginable to win that game. But they won. And they scored 17 points. That's what, they I, weren't. I, I, they, listen. Like, you, you, but, but I'm saying, like, it's all Joe Burrow. It's all Joe Burrow. Can I, we just sit here and say that this team last year – Lost some big pieces. If you want to say that the safeties don't matter, if you want to say the tight end doesn't matter, that if you want to suggest that maybe yeah. all uh, some, some of these guys, I, you can say it doesn't matter all it's you Maja want. But I'm saying they were a play away from going to the Super Bowl. Right. This team, right? At no point during this year did I think, wow, outside of San Fran for a good three-hour glimpse and the Bills, end of the Sundays, the Bills though. Are you serious with the Bills? I mean. You did, you did. They just took the, when, the they were, when they were going to, back to when they were going back to the back when they did the 49ers. Guys. The Bills guys, you guys are hanging your hat on what the Bills have done. I'm saying what they looked like. I, you're, you're, you're saying besides you never watched team. you never watched this team and thought that this was a serious contender. And uh, you're, you're telling me that when you're watching them play in back to back no. weeks, you're, you're you're sitting there and you weren't thinking that the Bengals were a contender after what they did to the 49ers and then started off hot against the Bills. N no, you didn't. Okay, well that's no. Okay. I, I mean, that's I, silly. I. I, you, listen, they had a good win against the Dolphins. And outside of that, there's not a whole lot there to say here. Like, oh, man, look at the Bills. Yes, they played, they played the Eagles great. I'm not going to sit here and say they did it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about how good the Bills are. You said that there wasn't a time you watched the Bengals this year and thought that they were contenders other than the 49ers. And I was saying, Correct. coming off back-to-back -back, when they played the 49ers, they're on a three-game win streak, and then they go – and you know, take an early lead, a big lead against the Buffalo Bills. You weren't you weren't sitting there thinking that this team was really good, because I was. Well, that's fine, and I understand you guys are fans. But there was I no could, point in this season where I thought, "Wow, the Bengals are going to be a team that I would be worried about." All I know is, 
is that they get manhandled, guys. Right. Like they right. get manhandled. Right. That has nothing to do yeah, with Joe I, Burrow. They get shoot. manhandled. When they play the Steelers, when Joe Burrow is Steelers, the Ravens, and the Browns, out of all three of them, the Bengals are the powder puff team. They're the, they're the Pac-12. Correct. And Here's, it's like, correct. that's the problem. These are all, tr- these are all I, things. These are all truths. And I we're th- telling you this feeds into what we've been saying about nine. Like, you can't simultaneously tell us that this team looks like cupcakes. They look like they don't look great. All this yada, yada, yada. And then when the one guy out there that we say is fantastic, is phenomenal, is the reason that we've been winning games isn't out there, you can't take away like, yeah, but it wasn't him either. Like, so then who was it? Who was it? It was a collection of a lot of things. Is what it was. I'm it was. It was. It was more greatness from one person, and that's been my take about the quarterback position as a whole in the National Football League for forever. When you have greatness at that one position, you you, you mask a lot. You cover up a lot. You can say what you want about the Buffalo Bills, but I think Sean McDermott's a pretty mid coach. They've got a guy that is absolutely fantastic about seventy percent of the time he plays, and garbage the other thirty. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid's Hall of Fame coach, Hall of Fame coach. Andy Reid lost six consecutive times in the postseason in the first round before they got Patrick Mahomes. Everything in this league is ran through one position, and yes, there are teams that are exceptions to the rule, but they're exactly that, an exception to the rule. The 49ers, the uh, you, you want to throw out the teams that have won, the Eagles that won a couple years ago, if you want to talk talk about 20-plus years ago with the Buccaneers, sure. Joe Flacco and the Ravens, sure. But Steelers. those are exceptions to the rule. What I've been preaching here for months now, and I don't even understand how it gets pushback, is that one guy's greatness masks a lot of things. So the roster's bad then. So now, Correct. so when, so when I so when I right. sit there and said that the, the Bengals roster is just not very good, and everyone laughed at me and thought that I was a, that I was a joker and and all that, then then we all we're all admitting that this team without Joe Burrow wins four games. Name another Super Bowl contender that you can tell me that will win four games without their quarterback. Is there one? I want to say one. You're going to say the Chiefs. Correct. Eagles, they could probably do no, it. No, Eagles, Eagles. Come Eagles. on, Casey. Four wins? Come on, Casey. Yeah. Come Dude, on. their defense is amazing. What are you talking about? Their defense gives up. And more. they've got one of the best receivers. They have one of the best offensive lines all football, and they did it with Nick Foles. That's literally what they did. You're arguing your own point. Is, yeah, is I think you misunderstood. Point. I'm saying name another Super Bowl contender this year where you take their you take their quarterback away from them, and they only win four games. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. take Jalen. Yeah. That's why I said My bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chiefs, oh, he's saying the Chiefs. But Chiefs would lose out, yeah. They wouldn't I don't know, lose out, man. Like we say, know. the Chiefs wouldn't. Lose, the Bengals are about to lose out. Do you really think the bet? If you have to bet a sizable amount of money on the Bengals to win a game, you're betting on that? No, I'm They're talking. I'm talking game. about the Chiefs. I'm talking about the Chiefs. Really quickly though, Miami. The Chiefs do have a good coach, which no, I think is the I second think Miami. Most like Tua looked terrible for before. Um, yeah, before the, he the, got the there. guys, I, the guys I, I that mean, you're thinking of, they gotta, they gotta be great quarterbacks. And, and listen, and I, I know, the, the, I, I know that this, Chargers, is a, this is a dumb analogy. Chargers, genuinely, the Chargers don't have Herbert. None terrible. of them probably win the Super Bowl without their guy, which is Ravens. your point. That's your point. I guess my point is though is like, it's some at some level, you can't Jack, give, maybe. you can't give. 
it's hard for me to listen to your your situation and maybe you can express it in a different way you can't sit there and tell elliot he's an not an idiot that's not no what i didn't say he's an idiot. i'm saying but i'm saying it's, you it's, can't say that that, you, that that they don't need to do this and then turn around and tell me that duke tobin's great at his job and that lou anarumo's good at his job and that basically zach taylor doesn't need to really change a whole lot but this Bengals team will win four games without one guy that is the real crux of the problem. I wasn't I telling. I wasn't telling Elliot he was an idiot. I'm just no, telling. I didn't it's say it's that. the same. It's the same thing <laughs> that I that I argued about during the trade deadline. Is we can sit here and it's great sports talk and everything like that, but it's just not going to happen. Then the other. It's then, just then, not going to happen. Then him giving up play calling. I want that in the same debate. We can we can stop talking about both because neither is going to happen. Because if, if if last season was an indication that he should have given up play calling, then, then that's that that that's where I I start having problems is where. If nothing changes, if nothing at all changes, then I have a problem. If yeah. we come out next season with that same 0-3 bullshit, I'm telling you, I'm telling you something will be done because yeah. it's inexcusable. They didn't play in the preseason? Oh. I mean, it, that not playing in the preseason can't matter that much. I know It this can't is... be the reason it derails your season. And, for, and really, it did. If you want to say that it did, fine. You can go ahead and say that earlier this year because Joe Burrow clearly wasn't healthy. Right. We, we didn't right. prepare for it at all. At all. It was evident that Jake Browning wasn't a good backup quarterback. We made no moves there. What was more, what was more asinine? The Bengals not running the ball eight times, only running the ball eight times That's with Jake Browning or the Bengals um, with a hobbled Joe Burrow threw the ball 55 times against the Rams? Yeah, both of those. Those, are, those, those are, those are, those are terrible. I know this is absurd. It's all sports on Zach talk, Taylor, though, and that's probably what this is supposed to be. But right. I would ask you, like, how much of a mindset difference would it be? And now this is crazy to say, and I know that that this isn't really fair. But if Evan McPherson in the Tennessee Titans game, who has nothing to fucking do with Zach Taylor, mm-hmm. not a single fucking thing in the world. Outside of maybe saving his ass a little bit. If he doesn't make a couple 50-yard kicks and misses them, you lose to Tennessee. You never get to the Super Bowl. That's never even a thing. You have an elite roster. I think last year you have an elite roster. You can say whatever you want same, about the it's two the safeties. Same, it's, yeah, it's the same roster saying, other than two guys. Oh, okay, dude, you got a Pro Bowl safety. Like you can't sit here and minimize right. well, that these the, players yeah, aren't meaning something. I They're agree. fucking I, elite at their job. But it's also the and most I would also say you had a first-round talent at tight end, c- coupled with yeah. with Joe Burrow. What the fuck is Travis Kelsey with fucking Zach Wilson? He's a nobody. If Travis Kelsey played his whole career with Zach Wilson, no one gives a fuck about Travis Kelsey because he's a fucking nobody. So to sit here and act like that you can stick anybody at any position and it doesn't matter is crazy talk. So my point is this. If you have a guy like Evan McPherson who misses a kick or two in a, in, in a 50 yard, 50 plus yard field right. goals and you don't go to the Super Bowl and you have an elite roster last year, and you, get, you do the same thing you did last year, which they were elite last year. I think that the Bengals were a really good team last year. And then they lose some guys. Are we sitting here having a different conversation? Or are we going to let the perception of since they made the Super Bowl in the AFC Championship game that everything's fine, Joe Burrow can, meet, uh, can mask everything? That's my general question. Well, that's no, I'm, I'm, I, I get it. Like, I, I understand it, which is why I feel more sour about the Cincinnati Bengals today than I ever have. Uh, this this entire year is because you got a chance to see what it looked like without a Joe Burrow in its entirety, and it was it w- it was it was worse than I could have ever imagined. 
So then you have to look at yourself in the in the mirror reader and say, we got some fucking problems around here. Right, and, and, I, and that's the, that's the we point. We need to get them the fuck yeah. out of here before Joe Burrow leaves. And the problems you're saying are the coaches? Or the, 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 I just think that, yeah, you got some fucking terrible-ass right. decision-makers in the front office, too. People period. Forget. You can't fucking draft an offensive lineman for shit. Yeah, you can sit here and hang your hat on that you got Jamar Chase right and Joe Burrow right. Yeah, you had the first pick of the fucking draft. You had yeah. the third pick of the draft. And you hit on a couple other guys. But to sit here and suggest that you got some savant and Duke Tobin and fucking what's his name zach taylor always you're giving these guys <laughs> you're putting words in our mouths by saying so no i no one no one's no one's but my point that. is simple i think that it is actually closer to being right to be the crazy fucking fan this morning and saying zach taylor's got to go than to be the guy and you're not being it but then to be the guy that's all everything's fine in here it's no, not normal to say zach taylor sucks at play calling zach taylor is not good at his job every single year it happens every single year. Are we all crazy fans? Sure. Does it happen to David Bell? Sure. The difference is David Bell can point at ownership and say, I haven't been given shit. You look at Zach Taylor, they're spending money. How many? How they're many, spending how many money. Head, how many head coaches call plays? I don't know. I don't know. Better question. It's Elliot's point. What do you think about this, Casey? Because you watch the NFL more than all of us. If you took the same players that Zach Taylor's had and you just gave them to a bunch, you basically just swapped offenses with a bunch of other teams in the league. Does this team, yes or no, get better offensively? Yes, they by get more than by more than half of the coaches in the NFL. Mm, That's the, the question. Half because the coaches, you, you can't you because the Reed's point um, because the Reed's point. I want I want I want his play calling gone because the Reed's point. You, you can't, can't be like, both. well, yeah, Sean McVay would do why a better job. I don't job. understand why you can't get both. I don't. I I guess that that's my biggest problem. Is like he, how does he that keeps, conversation he, go? He keeps telling me. What do you mean? How does it go? It's exactly <laughs> hey, how Zach, you said. We, I you love what sit, you, you said sit, earlier. Say it. Do it again. You sit down and you go, "Hey, Zach, you can't call plays for us anymore." What do you think Zach well, does? I'm the, well, I'm the head coach, so I want to call plays. Well, these are your options here, Zach. You can either lose your job as having a generational talent at quarterback that is taking you to a Super Bowl and an AFC Championship. And you can keep that job, but you can't call plays, or you can just walk out the door. Then give and you Zach, think Zach Taylor then, has too much, has so much pride that he's going to just think go, he would Then do, give Zach Taylor the best. I personally think he's going to be like, all right, I'll stay here. Give right. Zach Taylor the Bengals mascot. Let him get, give him the whole costume. Well, the Let him sit over there and coaches, do nothing. How many coaches call plays? 20. 20 of them. 20, 20 call he, he, call. Per, uh, sports, gonna, per gonna, Sports Illustrated in 2023. There's not even 20 offensive coaches in the league, is there? They might be defensive 20. coordinators, Okay. Though. 20 is calling plays. Either it's like Staley's defense. calling the plays for the, the Chargers. He's okay. a defensive coordinator. Yeah. That's what you're, yeah. How many, how many offensive coaches? I'm going to go through them real quick. I'm going to add I see up. 20. I'm just saying, if you Shanahan tell. Sean does. Sean McVay does, if right? You, if you tell your head yeah. coach. Andy Reid does. That the one part of his job that he should be good doesn't, at. Doesn't on paper. That's what As a head coach. The one job. They should have one job as a head coach. You should be able to call plays. You should be able to. See, I don't see it that way. I don't see it that way. I don't think it's that. And I don't you think it's tell that him, thing. hey, you're really shitty at the one part of your job that you're supposed to be really <laughs> good at. I don't think so, though. And you say, hey, you just sit over there. You look fucking I great. You I think there's stay about over 10, there. Right? You can hold the fucking clipboard. Just know Brian Callahan's over there doing your job. I don't want Brian Callahan calling plays. Here. Say, I want to do say, say it, Casey. There's about like ten. There's about right. ten NFL coaches that that are head coaches that call their offense. Okay, Quick so question. That's more than I expected. That's, that's, that's truly inclu- more than that's I That's including Zach Taylor. <laughs> Reader, this is this. First of all, this is a hilarious debate. Um, do you think? Do you think that you want a guy that you just said leading your organization? 
if 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 he's sitting in the brass room and they come to him and they say, "Hey, man, you're giving up. You're giving up your That's play calling." And then he point. sheepishly he sheepishly <laughs> goes he goes. All right, fine. I'll stick around. <laughs> G G Wilker, I, G Wilker, sure. I'll sit over here and I'll do nothing. <laughs> no, not, no, 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 no. That's where you lose no, me because, no, because he creates no, culture. No, those things are important. Okay, he can plan the Christmas party later. My point <laughs> is, when it comes to calling plays, when your job as an NFL head coach he is to call, to call plays. plays, you can't sit there and be like, "I'm the culture guy." The whole reason he was hired was because he was a play caller. He was an offensive-minded play caller. There's he's called, play, he's called plays one time in his career, in his coaching he, career before this. He led, then why well. did get he led UC's offense no to the worst offensive season in school history. He's a bad coach that got an umbrella because he was standing get, right was with, with Sean, Sean McVay, McVay when it was raining. I, I listen. I, I hear the humor. <laughs> I hear the humor. I hear all the stuff. I hear the points that you guys are making. They're all valid. Truly valid. And I know I'm, I'm constantly the, the homer in here that, that has the sunny side up egg. But can, can I give you one more example real quick? But if Trace some, came to you, if Trace came to you tomorrow and said, hey, Reed, we really like you on the show. Just sit there and shut the fuck up. Just don't say a goddamn word. You're just going to sit there and you're just going to really just going to be there for the pants jokes. That's why you're going to be here. I don't think that conversation goes well. That's my point. I, I think you're, you're though, looking so at your looking. Probably just like, all right. You're t- <laughs> I don't have any pride, though. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't have any pride. Like, what are you talking about? Like, if you told me to sit over there, I'd just sit there. I'm just I think, like, yeah, I, whatever. I sure, think. Okay. I think one of the head coaches, a guy who's been to a Super Bowl, has been to an AFC Championship game. Yeah, I think he has some pride. I think he's going to look at that and you say, "Then why am I here?" That's why. And then he's going to say, "Oh, well, I just got you guys to a Super Bowl, calling my plays." And then they're going to get into another argument. I don't think. You, you taking away his responsibilities as a play caller fixes anything. I mean, it does, of course it does because we all want him off plays. That part it does. I'm saying it doesn't fix the problem where Zach Taylor is still here. What are, we do, what are we doing with Zach Taylor? He's just our mascot. I hear you. I hear you. I truly hear you. I guess why I say that. There are, Casey, but I'm saying he's not going to be willing to do it. Casey, if he came in here and said, sure, give the plays to somebody See, else, that, just like Trace's argument with Jonathan India, if Jonathan India came out here and said, yeah, I'll play right field, I'll play right field when it when, when nobody else wants to go. Sure. Well, that's, if, if that's if that's, that's, if that's what's happening here, then that's what's happening. But it's not. That's where you're losing me because there's plenty of instances in the NFL where head coaches have given up play calling and it's worked out for them. And now eventually they get it back, and sometimes they do work. well, and sometimes they don't. But like, I don't know if that conversation ends in firing. Is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And I and I get the also the other part of the conversation. Yeah, I get that. That's what I Why would you want that, that leader there? Like I get that. Yeah, I, that was that's it's a double edged sword. Because yeah. if if you're gonna have a guy there that's leading a bunch of men, which you know, and you can say, hey, you don't have to be like Tom. We've come to know Tom wants a guy that's that's very out, you know, outspoken, calls it how it is. However you want to say it. Comes out to the media, says we suck, all those things. Those would make Tom happy. But you could also make the argument that that doesn't really always fix a problem. Just because you scream into a microphone and you say that people suck doesn't really make you better at your job than like a Zach right. Taylor is. So I could I could be convinced that if Zach Taylor said, you know what, I'm going to give my duties away, and he, and he blamed it on the fact that he wants to be better at managing the clock which i think is important in the nfl he wants to be better at maybe being able to try to talk over high level decision making on the way that the the game plan goes then maybe you could convince me of that but i i don't know guys tough spot the Bengals are in because i don't know the problem is is that like you said 
Can what I, do you do to fix this? Can I zero ask, timeouts with under? Can I ask something real quick? Uh, I'm asking a hypothetical. They used them here. on that final drive. Everyone did not notice that. But if, they used them on that final drive, which is wild. I'm just saying they used them. They used two out of three, like the final two plays before they got the ball back. Can this be true? Four can, minutes back. I'm going to ask a, a, a true or false statement here. Can Zach Taylor coach a very complete roster at a high level? And simultaneously, when it's hurt, banged up, be one of the worst coaches in the NFL. Yeah, if you put Zach Taylor on the Steelers, my mind immediately goes that the Steelers win two games this year, which tells me everything I need to know. Which might not, same, be, which might not essence, be true. Which might not be essence, true, to be fair. But in the same essence, like if Mike Tomlin was the head coach of the if Bengals, you, well, yes. the ceiling's not as high. I think it but, is. Wrong. Now, Zach, just a, that's a good example, that. though, because Mike Tomlin lost T.J. Watt, their best player, and they have one of the worst records when he's not on the field. They haven't so had that, a losing season. Yeah, but when right. their best player Ever. is not on the field. He hasn't lost a season. Yeah, Ever. But, yeah, but, yeah, but he's a, he, he, is, he is a good point. He's saying that if, if you don't have – listen, we all agree – that if you don't have elite players or you don't have a decent team, you, you coach yeah, can't like if fix the roster everything. It's just not going to fix everything. Right. Well, that's that's where it goes back to, like, is Duke Tobin going to take any heat in this town? Seriously. Well, Duke Tobin's you, not even the GM, but yeah, he does. Okay, well, whoever made the decision of paying this offensive line that much money and it not working, that's the core substance of why there's an issue on the offense, right? Yeah, we right, all can agree. Right, right. You pay a significant amount of money. Frank Pollock needs to be gone. Yeah, Frank, Frank Pollock needs to be gone. Because right. we, we, talk, we talk about offensive, like how can these offensive linemen succeed everywhere else? Then they come to Cincinnati and they don't work. Well, there's one guy that coaches them. And, yeah, he had success in other places, but still, and again, see you later. Again, I, like I said on, on Off the Bench, literally, there was miscommunication against TJ yeah, fucking you, Watt. What are we doing? Watt? What are we doing? That cannot happen. There's there should be like there should be like a code when you play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, hey, there's this one guy on the other team. We got to get a body on him <laughs> at all times. Like the fact that he goes untouched to, to sack the quarterback is just incredible. And the way the the, the thing that that is wild it's about incredible. that is you had uh, sample on that play was was basically standing <laughs> right in front of him. Right. I didn't want to crucify him, but that, it, that was. Not and it great. almost looked like though, Casey, like it almost looked like the same way that you would stunt as a defensive yeah. lineman. It almost looked like. Sample, it sample. It was a late release play from Sample. Sample was basically going to stunt to the inside guy, which he did, and they almost wanted uh, who was on it. It wasn't Jonah. Jonah. Yeah, it was Jonah was going to come on the outside and block, and maybe and I don't know anything about football. Run. Maybe that's a play. Maybe that's a, that's an. I, I don't. It doesn't think that seem is. like that would be one though. You just block the guy right in front in front of you. That seemed like a better idea. Drew what what was supposed to, best offensive weapon this season? How about that? What was supposed to happen was he was supposed to chip. Jonah's supposed to then block the or what was supposed to happen was Jonah's supposed to block the inside guy. Sample would then chip Watt, right. and then Watt would become the hot read, and then right. he's supposed to get rid of the ball. But it doesn't matter. That's still a terrible, terrible call if you're going to make that call. You should probably, like I said. There's a guy on the Always other team have a guy. that you should probably get a body on at all times. Seems like a decently winning game plan. At least, at least it's not a losing game plan. But I do. It's crazy. You guys will call me fucking nuts for the for that take about I just had about Mike Tomlin. But I'll double down and say this: I like, I truly believe that if Mike Tomlin was the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, yeah, I think you'd have a more consistent like that this team would win ten games, right? Like ten seven and all that stuff. But I feel like the the ceiling wouldn't be as high. 
because I for for for, for whatever reason that is. Didn't he win a Super Bowl? He did, um, in his second year, right? So, yeah, second year. Yeah, Cowher left, and then he won with Big Ben. But I just I, it's it's all that I think that I think you need an offensive minded coach with a starting quarterback, and, and and maybe I'm talking myself. I'm I'm running in circles, right? running in circles talking about the whole Zach Taylor thing. I'm just scared that if you take Zach Taylor out of the locker room, what does this locker room look like? Because the one thing that he's always gotten credit for was building a culture around a team. What, what if and I don't just, want that to just evaporate because I don't want him calling plays anymore. He can I'm about to do the, the John, Jonathan India bit here. What there's no there's no quantitative substance there to sure, culture. He gets it. He there's gets no it. quantitative substance like, there. So how sure. do how do you even measure what the culture is? It, it could be terrible true. right he now. It could be yeah, just, absolutely horrible right that's now. True. So now, I have to Zach Taylor. now I have to defend Zach Taylor to, to, to defend my Jonathan India take. <laughs> At some point you have that. to that's like what we're doing today. We're walking in circles. Everyone's done a done a snake. Everyone's walked in a circle at some point. No, it's Reed is right. Reed is right. You have to like each other in the locker room. But again, Zach Taylor can be – you guys ever seen The Office? He can be the head of the party planning committee. So, he can come the out culture. there every week, week in, week out. Zach Taylor – Explain The Office to me. What is it? Is it a TV show, movie? So is this a bit? What is it? It's completely a bit. I don't like this bit. I was just asking if you've seen – I'm going to continue with my thing. So Zach Taylor can be the head of the party planning committee. He oh, the can British stay TV show. You can say, hey, Zach, you're going to be – you're going to be leader of spirit. You're gonna you're gonna be on the you're not gonna be really on the sidelines, but you can have your job. We'll pay you the same. And I argue it, the conversation be that doesn't either. go well. That's my point. And I would argue that a coach's job should not be the cultural leader in the locker room. It should be the players. Well, it should part of the be job. the quarterback. It's part of the it job. should be. Yeah, but how much does it really affect the team? The culture well, is. I, I the think players. it's the only reason the Bengals were. Sorry to interrupt. I, it's the only reason the Bengals were successful. Clearly, it's not. It's not his scheming. It's not his offensive game plan. It's it because be, these guys somehow it'd be that find a brought, way to like each they other. They brought in one of the greatest leaders in Cincinnati history, Joe Burrow. He's that's talking, why. Yeah, he's on your page here. That, that, that's the thing. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard It's hard to, to sit here and act like a guy that's taken a team that's, that's had a lot of struggles to a Super Bowl and to an AFC championship doesn't matter at all as the head coach. But joe maybe joe burrow is is the real difference maker here and it's not zach taylor and the real question that we all should ask is if if joe burrow got another opportunity with someone else as a leader would it expedite or extremely raise the ceiling like would it make a huge huge difference i don't know i think it i think it does for the sake of it just being that we've been in the same system now for four years if i'm if i'm not mistaken four years so I mean, it hasn't changed at all. Like, teams just know us. They know how to play us now. They know that they play too high safety, and they just bracket Jamar, that we're not going to run the ball, and we're going to just pound our heads up against a brick wall trying to throw it down their throats, and it's just not going to work the out. The only thing I'd push back on that a little bit is, like, if you – when you say they're not going to run the ball, is that a function of Zach Taylor not believing they can run the ball? Because you can say whatever you want. They didn't run the ball yesterday. Like, I – I'm not, I'm not justifying only running eight times, but they ran eight times and they didn't get anywhere. Right. So that's, that, that so, was, that so, was always so, my thing when we would so, talk about getting correct. a ground game is I would like, yeah. why are we, why, why do we want to take the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands? Why do we but want to just run just right into somebody how, and get two yards? But I get run, it. I get it. The, the run game in the NFL isn't built to be like four or five, six yards every time it's built. 
one, two, mm. chip away, chip away. Just like Kasky said, and I know um, so I that agree. some of us uh, like just to. Go ahead, yeah. But it is like that. You have to chip away at them and then break a long run off of them, especially the way that the Bengals like to play, especially that way. It's different when you're the Lions. It's different when you're the 49ers where you can be the, the talented masterminds that those guys are and sure. or just dominate up front. I get, the, I get that you're but, never going to have a 75-yard rush if you don't hand the ball off. I understand that. But to, to say here that the – the thought behind running the ball is that you're going to get a yard, a yard, and then a 26-yarder. I don't think that's true. I think the point of running the ball is to stay ahead of the chains and stay on schedule. Yeah, and and, and you could make the case to Casey's point that it sets up play action and stuff like yeah, that. Like it, if you're not, so you might not believe in play pass. action if you only run the ball eight times. The only last, the, this is the this is actually we talked for an hour here on the same subject. So yeah, we're not this is this is the show. perfect this is the perfect question of of, of everything we've talked about. What is the bigger issue? Is it actually Zach Taylor? Or is it the fact that this team, just for whatever reason, has not figured out the offensive line play? Whether that be the, the guys have come over here too late. Yes, they've had success other places. Have they come over here too late to where you've missed the boat on the window when they're actually good? Maybe it's the coach. I don't care what the problem is. What's the bigger problem? Is it the offensive line or is it Zach Taylor? See, for for like 10 weeks, though, the offensive line last year, which is basically the same as it is this year, minus But you can't Orlando say that. Brown. Like, that's minus my Lionel only Lions. case in point. Is like, you can't say it's basically the same when it's not exactly. In fact, I'll say this. I don't think it's ever the same because it's a different year. And you just don't know what you get from year in, year out. Right? Age is a factor. I, I can, yeah, I can like, understand that. But go ahead. But I, that's where I have always focused on on the offensive part because I know it can be better. I see what the top looks like. It looks like Kyle Shanahan offense. It looks like, you know, Mike McDaniel's. It looks explosive. It looks like guys are just wide open. It looks schemed open, right? When you see when you watch a Bengals game, it hardly is ever that way. It's, it's always you got to just grind, grind, grind. There's always a guy on top of Chase. He's always making contested catches. Hardly do you ever see a guy just burnt deep unless it is literally a go route where Chase just burns, burns a guy. You never see a guy go cross the field or motion around and, and make a move or whatever. So for me, it's, it's play calling because I've seen what the offensive line looked like last year when it was all healthy. They were rolling. And I understand the age factor there. Some of those guys are a little bit older, but they're not in their 30s. It's not like they're in the in the twilight of their career. They're still probably in their prime or maybe a little past their prime, but they're not all the way, you know. Yeah, you're saying there's a huge drop-off, yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't be this significant, which in all fairness, when they were all healthy, when Joe Burrow was healthy, they didn't really give up a whole lot of sacks. So, I mean – they accomplished one part, but they sacrificed the other, which is having a solid run game, which I just don't think you should be right. – you should you should have a solid run game. Team played better with Joe Burrow healthy. Yeah. Imagine that. But our defense has made Najee Harris and Devin Singletary look like prime LaDainian Tomlinson all year long. So they've made running backs like that look like the, look, look, look like the best running back in the sport every time they play us. See, the thing is, like when I watch the Texans game – It just hasn't worked all year. Nothing has. Immediately, I got to be honest with you guys. I've not watched the Texans play all year long. The first thing I noticed about the Texans, 
is that their defensive line got after it. Like, I don't ever see – and I'm and i not saying that Hendrickson's not great. He's great. He's and maybe finish. Hubbard's great too. And may, maybe DJ like Reader's playing great. But there's not one time this year when I've watched the Bengals and I'm like, holy shit, you, you, you're, you're, you're in trouble. The, the Ravens game started like that. Trey Hendrickson, I think, had, what, two and a half? I would say Seattle. Two, Seattle was Seattle, like and then two, Trey Hendrickson had two sacks in that first quarter alone. Yeah. And we're putting pressure to, to Lamar, which is why they couldn't score after their opening drive, which is why they had three consecutive three and outs is because, you know, we're putting pressure to them. I don't know. When I, yeah, I mean, to, to answer your question, Trace, you asked me what's the bigger problem. I don't know what the answer to that is, what the bigger problem is. I see one that has a much easier solution, which is the play calling. Because that's an easier that's an easier fix. Do you think that is an easier fix, though? Well, I think it's it's an easier at least at least you're doing something proactive towards it. Because I look at the offensive line and you're just sitting there just going like, what do we keep doing? Just keep throwing money at this? Yeah, you've already spent it, right? Do yeah. you, we're gonna we're gonna do draft picks? Because that hasn't worked either. That's a much harder problem to fix for this organization because. They've they've tried the two avenues. It feels like avenues. it feels like you've remodeled your kitchen and you pick you you pick the you pick you pick the countertop that cost a significant amount of money. It ain't changing. Right. I right. have breaking news. Right. Breaking, breaking news. news. I have breaking news. Luciano Acosta named MVP of the MLS. Nice. Good. Wow. Good. He was not well MVP deserved. before Elliot saw him play. Yeah, it's true. I listen, Luciano. I I saved your ass. You want it because of me. You're welcome. So, so yeah, that's that's my biggest problem. And I, I said this about the, the Cincinnati Reds. I said this. I'm now saying this about the Cincinnati Bengals is the most dangerous thing you can have as an organization is thinking that you're good enough or thinking that like, – like looking at problems and not having a clear-cut answer. And these are problems of the rich, right? These are problems of, of teams that have had success. You look at the Bengals and you look at their defense. Why are they giving up 150 rushing yards a game? Is it DJ Reader? No, he's playing well. Defensive line's doing well. Linebackers have had success. Cornerbacks are doing okay. Dax Hill's filling in a decent role at the safety. Obviously, the safety's a big hole. Offensive. Um, yeah, we've drafted guys. Hasn't worked out. Yeah, we've gotten guys that have succeeded. Other words, um, other places, and you put them on the offensive line, it doesn't work out here. Well, is it the wide receivers? Certainly not. They got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd's going to be gone, but T. Higgins is going to be here for another year. Joe Mixon looks good. Joe Burrow's, Burrow's obviously a generational talent. Like it's it's all these things. You look at this team; the, the answers aren't aren't easy. And maybe maybe to to your guys' point that that one Joe that one Zach Taylor gone. Maybe maybe they they have the answers. Is you bring somebody else in, they give it a fresh look, and and we we remold the identity of this team, not the team, but the identity of this team, and and you get more production out of it. All in all, I don't know. Luckily, the Bengals have six more games to try and figure something out, to try and let these young guys figure out if they've got any players, to try and figure out what they do have in front of them. They've got two blank cards in the pocket. Are there aces in there, or is it seven deuce offsuit? I don't know. Casey, you were going to say a point before uh, we wrap up this show? And we're not going to get to the rest of the points here on Boxing. Well, yeah. So. I, I was, what else do you have on there, by the way? I was just curious. Uh, the, He's the got game, Ohio State-Michigan. We're going to oh. talk about the college football playoff. Kind of all Who the won that? So, I missed that one. Uh, and then I was going to talk about the Eagles and Chiefs just talking about how, like, five weeks ago we were talking about how they're not very good. And, yeah, you look at them. They don't look as good as they did last year. But they're, they're still, still, still going to be the <laughs> They're mm -hmm. probably going to be the number one seeds in their respective conference. Probably. Oh, I don't know about the, the the Chiefs actually 
not sure about that. The Ravens. The playoffs this year, I think, will actually be. Maybe it's every year, but I actually think the NFL playoffs this year is a true. Not will, in the will, NFC. Will be a true wild card. I. You think so? You think I in the mean, NFC? Because in the NFC, I, I see like three teams. I think. Got, well, you yeah. You got the Falcons at five and six. I, I I agree with. I understand the NFC, but I'm saying in the, like, in the wild card three, teams, like the there's Seahawks three legit. There's, like there's three legit teams that. Maybe that's the case every year, but I don't know if that's true though. Like in the AFC, you could you could make the case for like five different teams coming out of the AFC, and it won't it really won't surprise you. The NFC, if it's not the Eagles or the 49ers, and to a lesser extent the Cowboys, you're just like wow. I mean that that would be like you can't even imagine it. Like books shouldn't even give odds. Did I miss a team? No. I'm trying to think. I think that's right. No. In the NFC? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't it's just the for it's me, it's just, just the 49ers and Eagles. Well, the Cowboys. I guess, Cowboys I guess what I was thinking more or less was that I could see both the one. I could see the one seeds from each side losing in the first round. I really could. Which is a wild. You see fair. the you could see the Eagles losing in the. Divisional. I could. Yeah. yeah I, I could think too. the Eagles are like playing a bunch of really close games against teams that you would like to. Think I mean, they, they lost to the Jets. <laughs> they lost to Zach Wilson. Yeah. But like that. I don't know, man. It's, it's the, the NFL, NFL. It's yeah. The NFL. It's the NFL. And that's that's the thing is, at the end of the day, these teams are that are. It, it shows that sustained success breeds in a new years, and we kind of alluded to that earlier. Is like the past does matter. You can't weigh too much on it, but the past does matter. When when you've shown that you can win games, you can continue to win them, right? Eagles, Chiefs, 49ers are getting to that point. Um, but in the AFC, I mean, I, I I could see the the Chiefs winning. I could see the Jags winning. I could see the Ravens winning. Obviously, the Cowboys without a starting quarterback. Browns. Or the Browns, not the, not the Cowboys. The Browns. I can't say that. I mean, the Dolphins, I've given them a lot of flack, but if they win the AFC, I don't think that'd be that too big of a shock. And even and even something crazy like the Buffalo Bills still getting in. Like, they could – the Buffalo Bills, say what you want about them. When they're playing their A game, they're as good as they, they're, they're as good as any team in the league. So. Denver Broncos. Hottest Man. team in America. Golly. America's team. Tough, tough. All right, let's wrap up the show. We'll see you guys tomorrow on Off the Bench, uh, 10 to 12. We'll be back with Box Lunch on Wednesday. Um, thank you for, for tuning in. We enjoy you guys, and we'll, we'll try to keep the content coming your way. So this has been Box Lunch presented by Betfred Sportsbook. We'll see you tomorrow.